Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and um, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching, and you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal-breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444. <laughs> 
That's how you do it. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, drinking out of my my new Alaska Number no. Nine Tundra Talk can cooler that you can find for sale on TundraTalkAK.com. <laughs> but uh, that's in with Matt Herkstroder. We hadn't probably catched up, hadn't caught up since just after moose season. So yeah. I just gave you a call. Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot's been going on. I just uh, be good to hang out and BS for a while. Yeah, but, no kidding. It's I'm ready to be. I'm ready to be done with the holidays, man. As much fun yeah, as it is, it's like, especially I, I saw a meme that like the lag time between Christmas and New Year's is like <laughs> it's like being on the moon. It's like a weird. Yeah, I'm about ready for it to be over with too. Just too too much holiday. People. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind hanging out, family, and doing stuff, but it's like, you know, five different dinners you got to go to, and getting fat. Yeah, that's the other thing. The eating habits here yeah, lately that's have me. not been good, <laughs> and I've been wanting to cut some weight. I'm, I went to the doctor a while back, and I'm the heaviest I've ever been, and I'm like, yeah, this has got to come to an end. Did he tell you you were obese? <clears throat> no, like me? No, she didn't. But <laughs> I, I knew. I, I mean, I don't. I don't get on the scale yeah. very rarely, you know. I don't really watch that, but I, it's the way I feel. You feel, yeah. You you, feel I, knew, I knew I was like, yeah, I got to. And I know some of it, too. I haven't been out doing much, so it's like, yeah. I mean, very little at least. Get your, put some of the fat tires on your bike. <laughs> I, I almost was gonna. I almost was gonna get a fat tire bike, but I said nope, not going down that road. I saw it's, some guy. I saw, I was driving home today from town and saw some guy up ahead, like walking his bike across the road. <laughs> then he gets back on it. I'm like, you freaking nerd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, man. I. I. It, you know, with the whole biking thing, I. It would be cool, but it's just a whole nother wormhole. And I'm like, I don't need more wormholes. Yeah, I've got enough of them. I got a lot of wormholes myself, but because uh, that stuff never ends. Like we which, were speaking about- of which, yeah, the 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 merch is a wormhole too. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I've been pack. I've been like I've been like a sweat running a sweatshop <laughs> out here packaging up hats. I do still have a few of the the sheep skull design hats. Sold out all the number nine trap hats. They came out really cool. Yeah, they are. They're definitely um, sweet looking. I'm gonna order some more of those. But uh, yeah, do have these pretty badass. Little can coolers, yeah. you can put a. They're aluminum. They're not the, not the the, the sewn fabric ones. Neoprene or whatever. Um, got some of those, and still have the bunny boot hoodies. Which <laughs> it was funny. Everyone that everyone that gets the bunny boot stuff is like, oh yeah, like that's the coolest. It's like one of my favorite des- designs. That's what I was telling you. I think it's the coolest one, and you're like, it's the least popular. And I'm yeah, like, <laughs> people must not know what a bunny boot is. Yeah, I mean, a, unless local people probably. do. It's a marketing problem. Like every time you wear one to town, you get three or four people. I need to just be more bold and be like, you want one of these, don't you? I'll tell you where to get one. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd get rid of them, get rid of them in no time at that point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's weird. They're probably they're, that one's my favorite one. I think I don't know. I just think it's. People's asked me about it, and I have never seen anything with a bunny boot like no. a logo. Never. No. That's when you came up with that. I was like, man, that's a cool idea, man. That's like. I get very limited cool ideas. Sometimes I get them. I, uh, well, like the trap one. That was one of those just like, huh. I mean, I've seen trap designs like the Alaska Trappers Association has. Yeah. Like some trap designs, but not like that they don't. No. Well, and what's cool with these is they're kind of that. 
I don't know that. Well, it's raised, a leather patch. Yeah, it's like yeah. an embossed like patch. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's pretty cool. Oh, they came out. They came out super sweet. So uh, yeah, that was uh, Ben Stinnett made those for me. So we'll have more of them. It'd be cool to do like hoodies or shirts with that or something mm-hmm. like that. I just got to pace myself because I can quickly outwalk my bank account. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. I know how that is. Selling photos, you know, I'm, I'm. It, it's hard to keep up with some of that stuff. Nice, and it's only with what you can, I guess, afford to do. Yeah, because some of that you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta have the product. So yeah, it's so like, you're getting these prints and stuff made, like to I'm, have some and stuff. To be in honest, stock. I'm doing a lot of myself, so I've got a printer. I'm I can only do limited sizes, but um, for what most people want, they're fine. Yeah, if you want on a paper print, you know, if you want anything else than that, I got to order it and have it done, but. It's just trying to, I've got a couple other places in town that want to sell little things. And it's like, you got to have the product. And the problem too is, is knowing how much of the product you're actually going to sell. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know. Which is why I'm like ordering them at, you know, hoodies between 50 and 100 of them at a time. Because I'm like, eh, like having several thousand bucks just like floating in space. Yeah. And I, I went down. And I don't, and I don't want to, like, I'm sure, like, you, I don't want to, like, have a, I don't want to have a, a stockpile. No. You know, I want to, like, try to be able to get what, have have stuff, you know, available for people that want it, but. But the thing is, too, is if you are out or you're running low and then you get a lot of people that want something, you know, and I've had to do this, I've been like, I ain't got them. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, you're going to have to wait. If you want them, wait. It's like or, the artisan's demand. Well, I mean, it, it, and it goes in phases. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's crazy, but it's, you know, because I do everything, basically, I do as much in-house as I can. Yeah. You know, with the printing and, and matting, framing, packaging, all that. And it allows me, for one, to keep the price a little bit more reasonable. Mm-hmm. But, and still make profit. You know what I mean? Because uh, the prices of this stuff has gotten ridiculous. Oh, I everything's think. getting more expensive. Like this run of hoodies, I was a little disappointed in, because uh, I kind of went off, I had to order them. Order them. I had them printed here in town, which is great. You know, I, I would much rather, all previously I'd always ordered them out of state, which is just a pain in the ass dealing with companies and you know, I was happy with the products, but uh, so I had to just kind of like go pick some of the samples they had in there were like these sport tech, like heavy duty hoodies. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want. I get back, I get a quote, and it would cost. I would have to charge like ninety dollars a piece, yeah. like to make ten dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which I'm not. I don't want to make. I don't want to just. But you still be have to raking make it, people over the. You coals, still have to make it, it worth be, your while. It needs to be worth it. So. Uh, yeah, which these ones are fine. They're just a little bit lighter weight, but yeah, I mean, stuff is not getting cheaper. No, it's not. Not at all. Well, that's just like same thing with like prints, you know. A lot of people like these metal prints. And I I like metal prints too on certain with for certain photos. I mm-hmm. don't like them with everything. Most of the wildlife that I do, I don't my personal opinion, and everybody's different, but my personal opinion, I don't like it on metal. Um other types of photos, you know, scenery or northern lights, that stuff looks pretty good on metal. I just don't think the animals look as good on metal. I think that looks better on a more of a matte type finish. 
you know, whether it's on paper or a canvas or something like that. Do you have like a most, like a particular animal or type of photo that you sell like overwhelmingly more? No. Is it kind of a spread? It's spread out. And what I've learned since I've been selling stuff, what I think is good doesn't always sell. Like I have my favorite photos and people are like, eh, okay, yeah, that's cool. But I like this. Yeah. It's so subjective. I mean, and that's part of the hard part too with, you know, trying to have an inventory, if you want, mm-hmm. you know, of popular things. Yeah. You, your, ta- your tastes are maybe different than. A hundred percent. That's been a, that's been a struggle. And I, I will say doing the print as many, the paper printing side of it myself, at least I can, I can like, you know, if somebody wants something, I can pretty much print it right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily have to keep things in well, stock for that. Well, and that's what like, cause you could do for clothing wise, you can do print. There's places that'll do print on demand, but they're just garbage. Like they're no, they're not any good. Well, and that's an, that's another thing like off my, my website, there's a, a company that you can pretty much have your, you know, if somebody orders a print, they print it, it gets shipped, everything. I don't even see it. Yeah. I don't really like that, me personally. Yeah, you got no control over it. I have no control over it, you know, and and without ordering stuff and finding out exactly, you know, especially with photographs, because there's colors that have to be, you know, the way you want them. Yeah. Even when I'm printing, I was printing some stuff. I printed some stuff for Christmas and for people and that. And, I mean, there's a lot of trial and error with some of that stuff that I've learned the hard way with printing printing's a whole it's a it's a whole nother animal yeah it's crazy you wouldn't think it is but and just changing paper types i mean makes yeah. a difference in what the colors look like on the paper even matte to gloss makes a big difference so i don't know i i enjoy it but it becomes kind of a pain in the butt sometimes too but at least i can control it and by yeah. me doing it myself it does save me money you know especially like metals there's nobody locally that does metals anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was getting the metals done from a company out of California. You know, so you're paying the, all the shipping, all that. It just drives the cost way yeah. up because all that shipping and everything is just getting passed to the customer. Yep. And what's what's nice about them shipping it is it doesn't have to come to me and then get shipped from me mm-hmm. to the customer, which also increases the price, but it goes back... I can't. You don't I don't know, have control. You don't know what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to hand sign my stuff. You can yeah. have these. You can have your signature printed right on these things. But to me, that's not a personalized photograph. I, I liked know. hand signing my packing lists sometimes when I'm not too busy. But no more of that. I got the doctor. Yeah, doctor Schultz. You got the approval, approval stamp. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Jed's job. He can sit he there can just, stamp. He it can stamp packing lists. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, between if you still smell the smoke, if it smells a little smoky in here, me me and him were lighting, throwing black cats in his, like, little cardboard army man city over there in the shop. Yeah, he's got an extravagant uh, battle scene over there. Yep. Well, I got him a little, uh, for Christmas, I got him a little, and I'd gotten one at one point, so I like just searched and searched till I found one a little, like... I don't know what scale, but it's about four inches long, a little remote control Panzer tank that like drives around and shoot, you know, it like has shooting action and stuff like that. I'm sure he like loved that. Oh yeah. 
also yeah literally i'm probably sure you, not the i'm smart, sure you not, probably love that you nah, probably, it's pretty cool not <laughs> not the smartest thing but i'm like look under no circumstances are you allowed to do what i'm about to do and we start like throwing black cats in there and <laughs> like just make sure the 50 pounds of artillery shells that are over on the over on that side of the garage stay over there yeah <laughs> but what's what's the point if you can't have a little bit of fun oh yeah but uh, yeah, we haven't been up to a two to a two a whole lot since you know just Christmas stuff since went deer hunting. Went out to uh, took Jed out to a little fishing spot here around town, and not too long ago, I was pissed for the first hour we were there. It's not like not a damn thing. And normally that spot seems to die off about the end of December. Later. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Temple's theory is that it's like doesn't it can't support you know the oxygen levels or something, but it's like a thirty foot deep lake. Well, and I I've always thought the same thing, but it's like it seems like later in the year, whenever. Yeah, you know. It, well, I mean, even even <laughs> I mean, there's a lot the, of people keeping yeah. fish out of there, and there's it's stocked, so it's like. But I I've been told the same thing. You know, the oxygen levels and all that throughout the year it starts to they start yeah. to decrease. I don't know. It was. Uh, but it wasn't good. I will huh? say there's well, it, it eventually picked up. It was fine. We caught some. We caught plenty of fish. But uh, the uh, the commercial, the tourism industry oh. <laughs> has latched on to that big time. I well, I remember a few years ago, and I got to say, it's like a pretty smart idea. Like it, the guy that would start guiding, you know, Asian tourists ice fishing out North Pole. Yeah. And it's like, a, I was like, man, that's a pretty smart idea. So low overhead, you know, you got. Yeah. Should be pretty dang easy. Pretty easy. You know, shuffling, you know, what I, I don't know if they even do a whole day or if they do, you know, half days, whatever. A lot of, like, just making money hand over fist, oh, yeah. probably. Anyway, now there's like, there was like four or five different operations out there on this little pond. It's like, yeah. and I've tried not. I have mixed feelings because on one hand, I'm like, well, it's like a state resource. They're buying fishing licenses, hopefully. I think they are because I've seen, I've been in Frontier. and Yeah, you see. I was like, man, what the heck are all these people back at the gun counter doing? Yeah. And it's, I think it's those guides taking clients I think, And in. I think it's pretty easy to, because uh, I was asking someone, I think it's pretty easy to get like fishing guiding license. It is. So like the. The good thing is that I think most of those outfits are like actually licensed properly to do it, but bus loads and bus loads yeah. of people just all afternoon long. Like there must have been a hundred. Like I swear you're running like a hundred tourists a day out there with all these different. You know, like it's got to be kind of concerning for sport fish. Like you got this little ponds that are kind of like community. Yeah, sort I, of. Which that's my mixed feeling is like, all right. On one hand, like not to well, be too picky, but on the other hand, these are kind of like community type ponds for people to take their kids fishing at. Yeah, that's kind of the the spirit I see them in. And then you're running, turning into just this commercial hamster wheel. Yeah, just ripping people through there, like it, literally, like everywhere. And you know, you so you run like however many thousands of tourists through there in the winter like no wonder like there's not going to be a damn fish left no in there. no well part of that i mean it's it's restocked every year yep. so but what worries me is that gets 
Well, I will say, well, there's accessible lakes, though, out of town. Yeah. That are, you know, that's where, to me, it starts to get a little bit, you get enough people interested. Well, it's just like you said, you remember when it started and you look at it now, it hasn't really been that long ago. No, a few years <coughs> is all. You know. Four or five years, maybe. I don't know. Since I, you know, since I noticed. But yeah, just the last couple of years, it's really ramped up. And yeah. well, like I said, from a... From a business well, standpoint, it, it from a is business smart it's very smart. Because I thought, dude, years ago, I thought about something like Hurt that. Hurt Stroder's but, Guide but Service. I, dude, I thought, <laughs> I was like, I, back then I thought, it sounded like a good idea to me, but it was like, I didn't figure that you would have, you, you know, I don't know. I guess I never thought, at least at the time, that you could have these, these I mean, I think these people are hooked up with like tour companies. Uh, yeah, for sure. And stuff like that. But, I mean, that's all it takes is to get hooked up with them. Yeah, and well, then, my cousin used to, well, because my cousin uh, learned Japanese, like, took a lot of Japanese. He lives in Japan now, but took, uh, like, was really, could speak Japanese fluently out of high school and for years worked for these different tour companies. And, I mean, that was just Aurora-type tours and mm-hmm. whatnot. And even that, that's it's, gotten that's and, gotten a lot more popular, too. Yeah. I, I actually think that tourism has been on an uptick for a while in the winter for sure for sure in the winter um there was a time when it wasn't i wouldn't say it wasn't there was there was tourism going on yeah but it wasn't to the level it is now and like you say especially the wintertime tourism you know i mean think how many of these people got all these little uh hut things to view the northern lights and camp out and Whatever, you know, and they rent, you can rent snowshoes and go on a little snowshoe hike and yeah. under the Northern Lights and whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Everything, you can do anything for a price. Yeah, or dog, or dog sled. Yeah, you know, like take, the dog sled tours and. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I don't know. Maybe there's like, you can't really knock it legally, but I think there may be like a fine line where it's like, really? Well, I see what you're saying Should too. You? If you want to take your kids down there to go catch fish, now you got to compete with a bunch of tourists. You know, and it's like I don't even know over if really, the, like how much how much of an issue is it really? Because would things be any different if they weren't out there? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Um, and it's not like I'm trying to like fish trophy fish. I just want my kids yeah. to catch a bunch, yeah. and it's fun to catch them with them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just was thinking that's but been I, on my mind lately. Cause but I, I do. Was, I was blown away. I was like, <laughs> holy, holy I, cow! I do feel like though that's that's why they're doing it where they're doing it too. Well, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. it's easy money. You just drive 10 minutes out of town and boom, you're there. I don't want to misquote, but I looked up what they charge on one of those things. It's ridiculous to go catch how, some how stalker fish. Or half a day. I, I don't even want to say because I don't remember exactly, but it was pretty. I mean, I, even if even if I had to guess, because like, you know, in, and I think it's like a lot of smaller operations too, because you, you'd see like, you know, a guy and his wife were out there like shoveling off a spot and setting up tents and they leave with their van and bring a whole busload of people out to fish. And, you know, this this in the afternoon. So it's like what half day, three, four hour thing. I mean, probably make at least 250 bucks a pop. Probably. It it was, it was at least that if I remember right. Yeah. (laughs) Great for, great for business. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about it, think about what you pay to go on a halibut charter. I mean, a legit halibut charter, and you're telling me yeah. now. Granted, it's more than that, but you're you're going out here to catch little twelve inch rainbows. 
<laughs> you or, know? Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, well, you know, you like go And they and the tourists don't for, care. They just they want to catch this fish. This is the experience. And like they're want yeah, like it's fun for them. It's a cool thing for them to do. Um but yeah, he, I was like you're adding it up, you're like, okay, a couple like a nice insulated fishing shelters, you know, maybe a thousand twelve hundred bucks. Uh all you need's like a two hundred dollar drill, you know, pistol like yeah. A drill power yeah, like ice a, auger. Yep. You know, fourteen hundred bucks, a couple buddy heaters, seventeen hundred bucks, you know, for like for like what you're gonna make with one like one oh, yeah. sitting, you cover all you know, all your all costs your expenses, yeah. For That's why I say it's smart for sure. But that's why I think the popularity is there is it's very easy money. Yeah. I think. Just me from the outside looking in. Which know? it makes me think like just stuff around town, I well, you're you're still you're still working. You're on the state side, but you're construction guy. Like, is how like it seems like we're in a weird spot right now. For a lot of years, it was always like ah, it's like there's not enough work, or we need stuff to cut loose up north to get work and really like get stuff spun up in town. Because the way things work up here, people don't know or have historically is like when stuff's going hot up north, like there's new stuff getting built in town. Yep. Like a lot of, you know. Yeah, either- you got the trucking. You got all the construction of the stuff that's going up there. Well, and I, I think just that in itself. I mean, we have our military bases here, too. Yeah. It keeps contru- construction going pretty good or gives it some steadiness, I yeah. guess. But I don't know, like right now, I think the problem now is they ain't got nobody that wants to work. That's what I was getting <laughs> at, and that's what I was, want, like, going to see if, like, you saw that, too, because – like you go to like any gas like going to the freaking gas like it's we, everywhere we, you we go. Live in a wor- There's nobody that's working there. We live in a world like that. Like almost, yeah. I mean, people said a couple of years ago, like the world's going to be totally different, and I never feel like I never even imagined it would be like. And I don't know if it's like this in other places in the country, but like you go into any gas, like I went in the gas station the other day, and they had like big brand new gas station, and it has been like. That's like normally it would be open till like midnight every night. Well, half the winter this last fall, it closed at six o'clock every day because there's mm-hmm. no one to work. Yep. And then I should, you know, I went in yesterday to grab a soda or something. And uh, one, like one register was open and it said cash only. And I was like, I had cash. I was just being a dick, I guess. <laughs> but I was like, um, I was like, really? You can't. I was like, you don't have any way to take a card. Like, you can't just step three feet over here and open up that register. No. And, like, probably just, like, brand new employee didn't. Yeah, didn't know how. You know, like, yeah, I've heard my old man says it's, yeah, it's it's tough to find sheet metal workers. Like, I think across the, up the whole, like, chain. All the the trades, I think, are that way. But, yeah, trades, everything, yeah, everything from literally, like, any gas station, it's just like no one's working. Yep. Go to the Fred, like, heaven forbid you want to get, like, a key cut at Fred Meyer. Oh, I know. Something. Well, that's, and that's just you can't it. can't find anybody that works there. <clears throat> no. And that you're right. It's everywhere you go. It's super frustrating. And then you got people, I was at Subway, man, there at Walmart here. This is, oh, this was last. real brave. <laughs> well, this is, like, last fall. I was heading over to Buddy's house, and I was in town. I was, like, it was in the evening. I was, yeah. like, I'm going to swing in there and get a get a sub i'm hungry and i go in there and i'd, I'd rather 
I just felt like it was a little bit better option than going to, to McDonald's or some freaking place. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, I'll go there and get a sub. Yeah. So I'm I'm in line and you got these these and they're young. I get it, probably first jobs they've ever had or you know whatever. But they literally do not even listen to what you're telling them. There's this girl in there and she did fine making the sandwich. It gets passed to the next girl. And she's putting all the veggies and all that on, and I'm telling her this, 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 this. And I said, at the very end, you know, I said, oil, salt and pepper. What's the first thing she grabs? Vinegar. And I'm like, which is, to me, disgusting on a sandwich. You know, that's for a salad, you know, not a sandwich. So I'm like, did I say vinegar? She was like, oh, she's starting to like scrape it all off. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I send it back. Well, and the, and here's what the thing was is it wasn't the fact it was the the point was she wasn't even listening to what I was telling her. She was jibber jabbering at the same time she's making the sandwich yeah. with some other On employee her there. Pods and yeah, like <laughs> zero. And and to me, this goes back to it's customer service. Like you're supposed to be providing a product to a customer. I don't really care about your conversation with your friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wait till it's slow or there's nobody in line. You know? Kids have not been yelled at enough on no. jobs. <laughs> well, not just yelled at. They ain't had a two by four. You know, it's like, I just it just boggles my mind. And you see that everywhere. Yeah. The incompetence. I was at a place, and I ain't going to name it because I'm sure people on here listen to where it is, but I was getting some parts. Oh yeah! Oh oh! I ha- yeah! I have had a similar experience. I, you haven't even told me your story. And yeah, I, and this, I have some a similar this, experience. This kid couldn't even recently. This kid couldn't even count freaking change back. And I'm just—I mean, he was just totally stumped. <laughs> you hand him a hundred dollar bill. What's that? Yeah, I, I mean, literally. And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm already got it calculated in my mind, you know. And then his other guy there, he's like, "Just give him the change. Send him out the door." And the kid was like, he's like, well, I, uh, it's not telling me how much change. That's what he was, that's what he said. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, this is what we have to look forward to. <clears throat> These are the ones that are going to be changing our diapers. I know. In the old, in the old folks home. <laughs> I know. I'm just, it's scary. It really is. I, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to have more hope, but it's, uh. You start to. I'm. I, I guess I never had. I never noticed it. Probably until the past couple of years, you know. And I don't know if it's because of when COVID or what. There's definitely been a change. Yeah. In like well, you it's say, like, it's almost like living in a third world country now. Yeah, it's. <laughs> you know, I mean that you. Uh, it's like yeah, some of the, you know availability of some stuff has, has come back and some like some things are kind of back to, but it's not back to normal no. and it probably never will be no yeah I don't know that but that did that boggle my mind and there's a second half to that story but I'll tell you after yeah <laughs> sounds good it was <laughs> that, funny yeah that, all you had was... to do was that one little motion and yeah. I was like yep because I just bought something not too long ago and literally just I was like this is crazy yeah but uh, anyway. And then pricing. That's another Pricings. thing, too. Prices is things. And this and this goes back to what I'll just call total incompetence as well. I mean, I get if you don't know, ask somebody that you're working with or whatever. But 
I got a price quote on some stuff. This guy priced, and this was at a different place. Mm-hmm. I could have bought two of what I was buying for what he quoted me for the price. Yeah. And I'm like, the heck? So I found it. I mean, and as much as I want to shop local, and I try to, if these employees are that dumb, like, you know, because I, I got online and I'm like, everything was this was this consistent price. Yeah. And I could have bought two of them for what this dude quoted me. And I'm yeah. like, sorry, I'm ordering it from there. Well, then I find out he spec'd every single part and component out separately. Instead of just the Instead of assembly. They, they, they make it as an assembly. So they lost my business on that. You know, I was just like, because of incompetence at feel like we're Where like they, the old guys sitting on the bench. Right I, I know. I sound I sound like my dad, you know. I'm, I'm probably sounding like my dad, you know, because my dad that, used to tell me, oh, you just wait. Just wait till just you get wait. older. Yeah. Now I'm seeing all the things that he's been seeing too, I guess. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. I do think it's gotten worse, though. Definitely. Definitely gotten worse. Yep. It's kind of worrisome, to be honest. I... I I don't know. I don't know what to think. Just need to go fit, go out and go fishing or something. I know. Well, I think maybe that's some of it too because I haven't been doing a whole lot. So it's like I think all these other things irritate me more. Because yeah. if I just go out and out in the woods doing something, I don't, I don't think about all that. I just I do my thing out there and not doesn't worry my mind. You know. Yep. Oh, totally. No, I. Uh... I've been I've been getting out too much, but I've been shooting a bunch, blowing guns up, you know. Yeah, you were show, <laughs> showing me some of that. <laughs> yeah, I never had that happen before. I uh, was shooting this little twenty-two M1 carbine. It's like an M1 carbine replica in twenty-two long rifle. That's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, they're well. I can't. <laughs> I say cool. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, except, I mean, like some of the parts were, that I'm like, could you at least do some kind of metal? Like some of the parts were, but still I was like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like had a walnut stock and, uh, so like had been shooting, you know, shooting really reliably and, uh, yeah, you know, all of a sudden one trigger pull, bang, like flash and smoke. And I'm like, that did not feel right. <laughs> and luckily you know, I had glasses on, thank goodness. And nothing happened, nothing bad happened, but I like pulled the bolt back and like this, like exploded back of a 22 shell sticking out of the chamber and it like blew all the other rounds and guts out of the magazine, out the bottom of the magazine. And so I'm picking up pieces and blah, blah, and take it home. And I'm like, so I was like this damn shitty ammo, you know, it's like, I was like, did they like double charge the priming compound or something? Cause I, I mean, I, I don't know how many like, thousands of rounds of 22 you've shot in your life but it's a lot and i've never i've never had seen that happen. never had anything like that but it like split all the way like around halfway around the case like the the actual case rim where the priming compound is and then kind of blew out the spot where the bottom of the like on a 1022 this one's kind of similar like the whole bolt face the bolt face doesn't cover the whole entire back of the case so there's like a exposed area where it vented all that energy but uh um, yeah, it took, and it ended up breaking the gun to like the trigger housing of the gun was cracked because it blew the magazines, like kind of two shells, 
oh, two melted halves together, together and then yeah. it blew that apart. And uh, anyway, I kind of I fixed it. It wasn't a bad crack. So I fixed it and I was like, huh. And then talking to Joel, John Snow, our shooting editor today, he called me. I was, he's like, send him a picture of it. He's like, oh, that isn't good. And he's like, do not shoot that gun again. <laughs> Taylor's like, what do you mean? It's fine. I JB welded and plastic welded it. It's good. <laughs> Which, yeah, remind me, that's that's a plug for like Amazon. Amazon. Uh, which, yeah, I'll get into that story in a minute. Um, you know, so I, he's like, yeah, so he's like, he's like, remember when the 17 HMR came out and then all this, like, I think Ruger came out with one for a very short time and then quit making them. And he's like, it's like, cause seven, those 17 HMRs would do that and blow up the magazine. And and he's like, it's an issue with that. But I mean, ultimately, I guess kind, it's not a headspace issue, but becomes a headspace issue because it's when, especially 22 long rifle, if you're using real waxy ammunition, you know, they freaking build up and build up. And especially, you know, if it's got a chamber that can ac- accumulate some of that stuff, then eventually you get one that doesn't quite fully like go into your, your gun isn't fully in battery. Like the bolt isn't fully closed on the fully chambered round when it, when the it shoots. And so this gun and I test, I was like let, with trick pulling the trigger, letting the bolt handle forward. It would shoot like if it wasn't closed. All if the way. it wasn't fully in battery, and so you get you get like you know a chunk of wax or something holds that case a few thousandths of an inch like back from being fully chambered, and boom, there that case head's not supported. And and I like I mean like you could clearly see on the case that chamber like a ten twenty two is like a perfectly flush like round. That doesn't make sense. Um like a fully uh, a fully supported chamber but like this the way this M1 was is the bottom of the chamber is kind of hogged out like you'd see on some pistol stuff or like 10 it's, it helps feeding cuz i know those guns had had like a reputation for not feeding very well so maybe that was a change where they hogged out a little bit of that bottom of that chamber so you know not the whole chamber isn't touching the case like the whole case head right in front of the rim. Yeah, like the bottom half of it where yeah. that ramp is. It's yeah, that, open. it's like a ramp going up into the chamber, and you can see it imprinted where it swelled out that case along that. That I, I didn't. I didn't ask you earlier. Were you, was it was obviously you were shooting outside in the winter. No, I was indoors at. Uh, oh, it's a, Alaska a range at that range. The because that's what I was curious about too. I've had issues with twenty twos, especially wintertime. Yeah, especially semi-auto stuff. Because of that wax, yeah, it just cool so quick, and mm-hmm. you know I've had issues with certain ammos because some are waxier than others. Yeah, <clears throat> that's why I was—I forgot I was going to oh, ask you no, that. if it yeah. was out in the cold or not. No, it was that, indoors, so it was like room temperature. It was warm. Um, but yeah, so that yeah, so you already don't have like fully. It's like a ten mil, like the ten millimeter thing where the old like the Glock smile. People mm-hmm. talk about like real high pressure ten mil ammo. Will you'll get like a little bit of a case bulge at the back that looks like a smile, and that's what that looks like. Um, hmm. But you know, you look at a ten twenty two barrel, and it's perfectly like flush, like there's no hogging. It doesn't out of have that, that ramp or whatever there. And not yeah. to say that that alone is what did it, but you know, probably I'm sure that did. Once that brass starts to give, like that, and some kind of accumulation that 
That's where the energy is going to go. The, yeah, that yeah. let that that kept that round from chambering all the way, and then yeah, when it let when the gun allows you to, like it will fire without being in battery. That's not a good thing. Like the thirty carb, because I've been nerding out on these M1 carbines. You know, and and I had a nine their nine millimeter version of it too that seemed to shoot pretty pretty well. But those centerfire ones, they have a plunt spring plunger ejector, like they don't. That bolt face is never like in contact with the case head, like the the rim of the case, until it's in battery. Huh. It's like that last little movement in battery compresses that plunger and like seats the cartridge up against the bolt face. From what I understand. So you don't have that issue where it's a rim fire. Yeah. Like it's just the 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 actual bolt face is pushing against pushing the back against of the cartridge the, case, the whole yeah. time. So. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Nothing, you know, so they're on their way back home <laughs> to the factory. <laughs> you know, that's unfortunate. But you can't, you can't apologize. If anything, John's always like, you can't, you can't apologize for your kid. Don't make excuses for the gun and they can't all be winners. <laughs> Some guns have to suck too. <laughs> but uh oh so the other yeah, the other part of the my plastic welder. So I got that last spring the kids just like destroyed the cowling on the little mini snow machine. The little mini Z. I mean it so we and we I mean we had it tarped and everything. So finally I brought it in. I ordered this plastic welder off Amazon. It's like a gun with two leads and it has these, it comes with these, the kit comes with these little like squiggly staples that you put in that connect as a resistor that connects the two leads. And so you pull the trigger and it runs current through them and heats them up and melts it into the plastic and you let go, pull, you know, pull the gun off and then you trim off the ends and it like, it's like a, like sti- it's like a sophisticated way of like Franken stitching your cowling back yeah. together. But it's melting it using those, but it's, those it's, yeah, staples. It's, it's melting those staples <laughs> in there. And it even comes with like a little uh, melter, like a little like flat pointed piece that connects off the two leads. That Almost like up. a soldering iron. Yeah, and it, it, like a soldering iron. And it has like a filler rod, like a, some kind of plastic. Well, I drug the thing in here, fixed up the cowling, was all proud of it, went to pull it over and... <laughs> and took the spark plug out the thing was like full somehow the head was like full of rusty water oh it got water in it so i don't i don't know if it somehow got in through the air intake or what but uh she don't turn over no more (laughs) (laughs) i don't (coughs) i don't think jb weld and wd-40 is gonna fix that problem probably not that's a little more involved yeah so well, he turned turned Jed loose on your uh, tundra. Yeah, my six hundred. <laughs> he wrapped that thing around a tree in no time flat. He's been riding the cheetah though. He's getting he's big. So I need to find a little citation for him. Which you sold your citation to Temple. Yeah, and I don't know if Temple early. still has it. Does he have it? I hope so. I don't know if he does or not anymore. I I don't never see him with pictures of it. I don't know. Yeah. I meant to try to get him over today, but I forgot. Yeah, I haven't, Sorry, talked, to I haven't talked to him in forever. But, uh, yeah, one of those little citations or little, which the damn, those damn Tundra 2, you know, Tundras and Tundra 2s, they're selling for more than they cost brand, brand new. Brand new. I, a lot of these snow <laughs> they were like are, They were like $2,200, I think, the last yeah. time I remember seeing it's, them new. It's nuts. Totally nuts. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, like last, so last, I was telling you, Matt, last time I was like, oh yeah, we'll go over some questions this episode, whatever. <laughs> we like totally said, screw everybody. Although I do have to point out is like a little bit of housekeeping. I did find out that Tyler from the shit, my pants story that won the, won the hoodie, your hoodie is on the way. And his girlfriend did break up with him shortly after he shit his pants <laughs> in the duck line. So she probably was not the right one for you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so one of these questions is uh, actually ironically is pretty good uh, best three options for used sleds getting in getting in some for someone getting into trapping yeah you used to be a real like gearhead on sleds yeah right? that was more mountain sled stuff and racing um, but for trapping I first thing I think, and this is my opinion, Tyler might have a little bit different one, but for one, you need to figure out how much money you want to spend. That's the truth. You know, because, I mean, if you're looking at buying a a brand new machine, even though you're just starting out, you're going to fork out a lot of dough. Um, And I think a lot of these used machines are overpriced for what they are. I think you have to be patient, patient and be ready to get something like... If you do find something that's a good deal, you gotta you gotta be ready to buy it right now. Yeah, because the good deal the good deals don't last. Do not last. No, they don't last at like all. Like my old man, my old man had uh, he he was telling me the other day he had found. So the first like the first four, and I'll let you get back to the first four wheeler we had got after he after we moved up here. Um, was uh, I think it was a two thousand five Polaris five hundred. Just the regular run of the mill outdoorsman, but he said he found another one with like fifteen hundred miles on it or something that was like really cheap, like under two thousand bucks. It looked in good shape. So that thing was gone before he could even. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always tell people that too. With like Mark, especially Facebook Marketplace, it seems like that's where a lot of people are at anymore, trying to sell stuff or buy stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of these people, because you get scammers and stuff, I mean, I think you got to take the time to be like, if you're interested in something, be like, on it. I I want to come look at it right now or today, you know, is now a good time. Yeah. Don't just, don't, just don't hit the generic uh, response. Response, like, yeah. because there's people that do listen to that, but there's a lot of people that don't. There's some people that'll, they'll say right in their ad, obviously. Yeah. But anyway, back to the trap and sled. You got to think about too. I think the terrain that you're in. Oh, big time! Because I mean, you could get away. You could do a lot of trapping with a one of the old little tundras or uh, bravos or any of that. Not Martin trapping in the hills if you're a guy my but, size. But that's <laughs> but that's the thing. You know, it yep. depends on where you're at and what you're doing because yep. it's just not going to be enough machine. I mean, growing up, I mean, I, we ran elands and tundras in the hills. Yeah, I mean, there was a. But we were pushing them more than we were riding. Well, my my uncle you know. told me so. The Martin line that I trapped for a long time was my uncle's. I kind of opened it back up twenty five years, thirty years after my uncle had trapped it, and uh, it wasn't very long. But you know, it was good for like thirty Martin a year or whatever. Um, he had had tell stories about trapping it in an eland, and after every fresh snow, they would have to like snowshoe up the uphill portions to pack the trail down to be able to ride up. And there was a big like I'd get up on top of a ridge, then go way down, and all the way. I, I if I was carrying wolf gear, I had to always drop it at the top 
mm-hmm. and just ride down. And a lot of times I'd have to run alongside my sled going back uphill. And I was even in my in shape. I was in pretty good shape yeah. doing that. That was in my in shape days. So I, I was uh, maybe like 20, 20 or 30 pounds lighter than I am now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that, I mean, I guess for a, an older machine, I would try to find something that's, uh, I don't know. And there's there's a lot of good kind of older trapping machines out there. The old like five, bear bear cats, the cats. yeah, the like five fifty five fifty Scandic wide tracks. Yeah. If you can see the Scandic three eighties, I saw one of those not too long ago. So it I was picked, actually in really good shape. I that was yeah, a sled I ran for a long time, ran it into the ground. So my buddy still he will grab his three eighty Scandic over his new tundra. Really? Almost every time. And the the only disadvantage to that machine, because well, and I bought one two years ago for my wife, oh. and I found one that was a good deal, and it's a great sled. The biggest drawback to a lot of those old older machines, in my opinion, minus probably the wide track, is just the track itself. Yeah, the, the you three eight the old three eighty Scandic like two seat yeah. thing just did not have a very big track. No, you know, in Indie Light three forties. You know, any of the Indy Trail 440s, or I think they're, they might be 500. They make a fan-cooled one. Those are all good machines, too. But you're going to be limited with that track. They're a long track. Yeah. But they're just, I call them baloney skins anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's just no trail. Well, once they, once they moved into making, like, this new style Tundra, and, like, everything changed when they started yeah. doing, like, inch, inch and a half paddle yep. tracks. As opposed, now those old like Scandic tracks and Tundra tracks are freaking nice for doing trail sets. Yeah, that you just ride over, but you can do them in these these. And and that's the thing, if you have a decent trail, yeah, or you can take the time to make a decent trail, um, those machines are going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, but you you know you get a big snowfall, and now you got to go bust out your trail. Yeah, you're gonna. I would recommend not even taking a tow sled and just making a trail first. Yeah, I mean, because you're just gonna fight it. I mean, there's been times that even with these newer machines like what we've got now, that you fight it yeah. trying to tow a sled with traps and yeah. gear and and all that. You know, well, and some and sometimes another like, um, if it's like older sleds like pre 2010, maybe I'd say like it's probably better generally to go with air-cooled sleds i would agree um now like my tundra was one of the first years of the new like the that they haven't really changed much yeah the xu chassis yeah the xu with um the 600 ace i do occasionally see like 550 fan cooled tundras come up come up with like good prices and those are they're great. They're great sleds. Yeah, you got to like that's what mine is. Yeah, you got to really ride them, and they don't yeah. do as good on gas as the six hundreds, but they're lighter. Um, the five fifty is a good motor. It, it that's one thing I will say. It's a good engine, but it does burn a lot of fuel. Whether it's in the Scandic, the Tundra, yeah, um, those things. The Scandic especially because it's geared lower. Yeah, it's. I mean, it does burn some fuel. So. And then if you're in like if you're in market for a newer one, I mean, I would get any of the any of the new stuff would be sufficient. Yeah, I mean whether it's an X, I I personally back when I snow machine raced, I was a Polaris guy. I don't feel like Polaris makes as good a utility machines as Skidoo does. Yeah, or the variety. I mean, Skidoo offers right now at least 
new machines. I mean, yeah. you got super wides, you got wide tracks, you got the expeditions, and you got tundras. I would say any of those in those them classes are going to be fine for trapping. Yeah. And now we got four strokes, you know, obviously yeah. two. And the biggest, the biggest thing, I don't know, like a trapping sled, especially used one, like you just kind of have to tailor. Yeah, like you said, your your sled to what you're doing. Like once I got this and bought this new sled, like I didn't give a fuck when I was had my old beater sled, like on running Martin line, like the trail. I'm banging off trees and stuff. And once you actually like buy a nicer sled, or you know, like you instead of pogos, you get one with like you know a arms a arm yeah. suspensions that can grab sticks and stuff like you may have to just take more you know take more time to clean up clean your, trail your trail and have a nicer yeah. trail um rather than just plowing through the brush and over logs and yeah um, i i will say and it too it depends what you're trapping for like why are your reasons for trapping you know are you are you trying to make money trapping yeah or are you uh are you just recreational yeah. doing it for something to do on the weekends cuz that's something my you know growing up trapping like with my dad i mean we looked at it as making money yeah it was a business yep and i think there's people that still do that today but there's a lot of people that it's just a recreational yeah. thing well most people like it's out in the bush like there's where people have access to mart like martin lines where you can catch a couple hundred martin yeah. a year like you can make some money doing that or when cats are high like cats are not high. <laughs> They're still they're still pretty non-existent right now. But, yeah. Um, well, but that's my kind of my point is like if you're going to go buy a new a new machine, you're looking at a minimum of probably fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe <laughs> maybe thirteen if you got like yeah. a Tundra or something. But I mean, you could go up to twenty thousand dollars. And so, to me, if you're looking at this as a business, you got to catch up a heck of a lot of fur to pay for just your snow machine. Yeah. You're not counting for you're not counting yeah. fuel, gear, snares. You know. Your wear and tear, your and like growing up, I know people weren't making the same amount of money, but snow machines have blown up in cost nowadays oh, versus time. how they I mean, used to be. You know, I mean, I mean even my even mine was mine was like nine grand, I think, when I bought it. That six hundred, which the same basically the same exact sled now is probably twelve. Or it's 13. twelve or thirteen, I would bet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but. I guess, like, if I had a recommendation, like... Did he say the his first snow machine or... No, like, best three options for used sleds. For used sleds. I mean, okay, so best three options. <laughs> We're not even paying attention to the Well, question. that's why I, I wanted to double check <laughs> yeah. the question again, because so if, I it's, think, if it's I, used, I think a Scandic 380 or a 500 wide track or, or a 550 wide 550 track. 550 wide track or 550, like, probably the 550 fan-cooled Tundras. Yeah. Long track, or even the the short, but the long track, like those are hard to beat. Um, I guess that's more than three, but I mean they're all going to end up being skidoos. I guess. For, really, for me. I mean, I like you, them better. I mean the the Indy, the, like the, the Indy three forties. Well, the three forty, like the Indy Light GTs, that it's a long track. Um, or Polaris made a Polaris wide track. It's a five. It's a liquid cool mm-hmm. though. I believe they made a fan-cooled model of that. I think it was called a super wide track or a super track, maybe they called it. And um, I believe it was, it didn't have a, uh, it was basically a fan-cooled indie trail. Yeah. With a 156-inch long track on it. But it wasn't 20 inches wide. It was narrow, the regular width. 
Yeah. Um, um, for as far as an old, a little bit older yeah. machine, you know, and I like, wouldn't be afraid to look at older machines too. Like, well, this one of my wife's the that Arctic Cat Cheetah. It was listed as a 1984, and I was looking at it and like had like 1,200 miles, and there's some rust on like some of the part. Like it looked like it sat for a long time. Yeah. But uh, like the motor's in good shape. It had a uh, like a Suzuki 340 fan cooled. I want to say 340 because it's not the same as the Polaris 340, but a three. I think it's a 340 two cylinder fan cooled. Like it, dual carburetors, and uh, or no, maybe it, it just has one carb. I can't. But uh, I was looking, and I'm like, they didn't make that. And it was a '94. Oh yeah. And so I was like, and I looked around. I was like, I could still get parts for that. Yeah, that's, and then I got it for like 800 bucks, and that thing's freaking going little sled. I I will say it's not great. It wouldn't be great for towing a lot of stuff. Like if you want to, if you're in a tow, planning on towing a lot of stuff. Get something with like a wide track or a heavier like deeper inch load and a track, half yeah. Track those uh, like the three eighty Scandix and the like this Cheetah, you know, something with a real like pretty pretty bald track is not gonna do as well towing heavy stuff. Where yeah. you're just gonna have to put a lot more work into your trail, yeah, or hit hills with speed, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah. That's kind of so a hard. Anyway. That's kind of a hard question though because. Without like knowing how much you want to spend, and like, I mean, you sled. I mean, the sled could be a year old. That's used. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. So I, I'm thinking he's leaning more towards kind of a. Do you have a lot of friends that are doctors? <laughs> 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 um, let's see another one. Uh, essentials you think are mandatory for anyone taking a boat headed up river? This is another kind of open ended question. Yeah. What kind of boat? <laughs> what kind of boat? <laughs> yeah. Airboat, jet boat. Yeah. Mud boat, you know. <laughs> Do they plan on sucking bear guts up their intake on their inboard? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are F-U-K'd fuck yeah. <laughs> when that happens. Yeah. Um, You go ahead first on this one. Then. So, assuming you're taking outboard, because I have an outboard. Um, base, some very basics, like with any outboard, extra drive key for your drive shaft in case you suck bear guts up your jet and strip your drive key. That's not going to do you any good on an inboard, but, (laughs) and this was not me. Um, drive key, extra impeller. Or sleeve. Oh, I like impeller and sleeve, but I got a stainless impeller, so I carry an extra sleeve because the sleeve's going to get destroyed before that impeller does if I lose a bearing. Um, um, extra bolts or nuts, depending on how your your lower unit, your foot, your jet foot attaches. Oh, like a whole set of extra nuts because if you're taking them off and they fall, one falls in the river, like it doesn't take very many. You got to have like a tight seal on that baby. Um, uh, it's not a bad idea to have extra drive shaft with a bearing attached already pressed onto it. I don't have that right now, but I should, I had a bearing. If once you have a bearing go out on you, you'll like understand the, 
<laughs> I think some of this too depends on how I would say how far are you going? How remote for sure? Yeah, how okay, remote? Okay, so so for sure a drive key impeller impeller or you know jet sleeve it's an outboard jet um, nuts or bolts that hold your foot on the lower unit. Um, like marine grease, like some gasket material or cardboard. I guess that's older motors. Like in case you have to like, because I used to have to clean out my thermostat sometimes. And one time I lost a gasket in the river and had to make one out of cardboard. <laughs> and then uh, tools, obviously, like you got to have tools. Yeah. Like all the tools. A lot of times it's like some motors, it's just like a 716, whatever. It's like a surprisingly small amount of tools. But I like to, I carry like a whole socket and wrench set. Um pliers channel locks are not bad big flathead screwdriver for getting rocks out of out of your jet um um, you gotta have some tools like i'm sure i've told the story on here where we ran into those guys that are like going up a very big river (laughs) and like like it's stuck in neutral I'm like, well, it's in forward. It's a, just a tiller outboard. And the guy's like, I just lost all my power. It's like it went into neutral and got stuck there. I was like, well, I was like, you know, you're, I'm like, well, where's your tools? I don't have any. <laughs> took off, as long story, took off the lower, the foot. I'm like, and I could spin the drive shaft. I'm like, that ain't good, man. <laughs> like your drive shaft is toast. Because I was like, Hoping good thing or the teeth on what I, I didn't pull the drive shaft yeah. out, but something um, sheared off. Something so sheared off, yeah. So it was just spinning. Um, Temple would say like a toilet ring and a t-shirt to well, patch hole. I haven't knocked very many holes in my boat. No, well, here, okay. So I was going to actually say that because, but that's I'm thinking, you know, being Temple in our little mud boats, then things are basically a beer can with a motor on them. I mean. All those little John boats are chintzy as heck, freaking aluminum. They're not thick. Yeah. And, I mean, I've dented mine. Now, I've never, I haven't put a hole in it yet. I have broke a but, rivet. I have broke a rivet, and that leaked a little bit. Yeah. But. Well, my boat leaks anyway. Even after yeah. I re-riveted the <laughs> dang thing, there's, it only takes a tiny freaking hole, and you yeah. get water, you know? That's why I say, too, um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Temple. <laughs> My 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 moose hunting experience with the first year, or well, it was actually the second year I had that motor. But the first time I hunted with it, left me stranded way the heck out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember I was telling Temple, "Did you make a sale <laughs> like he did?" Well, I bought it from him, you know. <laughs> but I told him, I said, "Hey, don't assemble that thing. I want to put it together when you get it." And he was just like, "Oh no, it's part of the deal." And I get it. I get where he's coming from, right? But the reason I wanted to do it was because I wanted to know how it it all goes together and comes apart. Do I need special tools for this reason? Yeah. And to fix the problem that I had, it would have taken one special tool that I built um, to do. But anyway, that's a different story. And I I was just going to say, that's a suggestion. Know how your stuff comes apart and how to put it back together. Yeah. Like the lower unit on your, your boat motor or whatever, you know. I mean, I've got an inboard, and then I've got my little mud boat. Yeah. The mud boat is very simple to work on, but there's 
I feel like there's more pieces that can come off yeah. on that thing. And this has been from experience yeah. of, of using it. But the, the inboard, I have had not a whole lot of issues with jets. It's been more like I carry a spare starter. Yeah, that's not you a know, bad. you uh I don't have experience with outboards. I mean, I I don't have a boat with an outboard on it necessarily. Um not like your outboard, you know. Um but on my inboard, a, a spare starter. Um I know guys that carry fuel pumps. Yeah, I've run into people who Especially electric fuel pump. electric yeah. fuel pumps like mine still I got a mechanical on mine still pretty old school, but um it doesn't hurt to have extra fuel filter. Yeah, definitely on fuel. How yours is salt set up. Um, yeah, whether it's a Raycor or even an inline, you know, some of them have both. I've seen them where they've had, you know, a like a Raycor type yeah. water separator filter. Spark plugs, if it's a two stroke, for sure, that's like a given. Not necessarily if it's four stroke. I don't carry extra plugs over my. Yeah, probably don't need to. Um, I usually have like a bottle of red heat. Like ISO heat in case you get some water, water. in your fuel or something. Um, yep. That's an easy one to just dump in there. And if it, you know, if you got a little bit of water, it'll clear it out. Um, hose clamps, zip ties. Hose clamps, zip ties. Just that base. All that like little electrical, basic electrical, electrical tape. tape. Connect any kind of little, I carry a little thing of uh, small, basic electrical butt connectors and some weird things like that yeah. in case you got to. Hot wire, some yeah. stuff, or dielectric grease. I usually have a little bit of that in there. Yeah. Usually you'll figure, I mean, if you have tools yeah, and some of these basic things, you can usually figure a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Now, if it's something major. Well, like see, a, I got like, I got to the point where with my old motor, my old Johnson 35 two-stroke, I got to the point where I could pretty much fix anything that wasn't major on there because I'd messed it up. <laughs> you know, like I, I had all kinds, but. And then it was, yeah, <laughs> when you don't have compression anymore, it's, yeah. it's pretty major when she dies on you. There's so not a whole lot you can do to make that work. Take those bolts and <laughs> hold it to the transom off and lift her <laughs> off and let her go. <laughs> Which I finally just told that I had run into, uh, not this year, last fall, pulling out from moose hunting. I ran in, I saw a guy had that motor. I said, that's like a 96 or whatever it was. I was like, you want a parts motor for that? It's like, I got a whole motor full of part, you know, that's just sitting under a tarp on a, on a pallet. Oh yeah. You know, it was the same one. Cause I don't see very many of those. It was a Johnson. And, yeah. He never called me. So I finally just took it to the transfer site. I was rather than the effort of going, you know, like putting it, I could have probably got a, a little bit for it, at least for the jet parts, you know, I had yeah. a good, whatever. Just it's not, at a certain point, the shit is not worth it. <laughs> well, a lot it. of that old, a lot of them older things. It's kind of like the snow machine stuff. Some stuff you just can't get certain parts for. Yeah, you know, like well, I, got I think my, I think that motor <laughs> had been rebuilt once before, and that particular motor you could only get one. You know, there's only two sizes of pistons. So uh, once it's rebuilt, you, once it's rebuilt, once it's done. then it's not like yeah, you're pretty much done. But I got no complaints. I like well, my new motor. I might. Oh, I'm sure. It's way better. That thing's been, you know, which is funny how everyone gets about motors. Oh, Mercury, huh? Like the Yamaha <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> Yamaha ass. <you> know, <laughs> well, it's like that with everything, though. Even snow machines. Trucks. Snow Trucks. Machines. Yeah, it's like, uh, I th one guy told me, I said, or 
because I had that Johnson, so I've been buying parts from the boat shop. All my parts there. And Don down there, like he's a pretty good guy. Talked to him, and I'd run in, I'd run into him somewhere. I was like, "Yeah, it won't be." <laughs> he's like, "I'm like, sorry, I won't be in there. I bought a Mercury." He's like, "Or, or he's like, yeah, you're the one that's going to be sorry." <laughs> I can't remember how it went, but it was pretty. It was pretty good. But that movie, you know, for six grand less than a Yamaha or. I don't even think they're making the E-Tex anymore, but for six, you know, six grand less than what a Yamaha had cost, that motor's been great. I haven't had any issues with it. Yeah, but, I would. Um, I think most most these companies, no matter who it is, they're going to build something that's pretty good for the most part. Yeah. Anymore. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that's a few things. Just basic, like some basic tools, and as you get, like, you kind of got to. There's a little bit of trial and error, like yeah. all your lower unit. If it's an outboard or an inboard, like you kind of learn like your basic maintenance and then different parts that can fail. Fail. You know, like you said, an inboard, a start, a starter goes bad on you. You can't start that motor. Yeah. You know, an out, like my outboard, the starter on it is so simple. There's like hardly any moving parts to go bad on it. Yeah. Um, And a lot of it too, just how big of a trip are you doing? Yeah. To me, if you're just ripping around on the Chena or something, I mean... You could flow back yeah. to civilization. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, next question. Scariest moment in Alaska? I don't know. I don't know that I've had... I mean, I keep, I always go back to the... I always have adventures, but none of them has been yeah, I uh, go, scary. I, I had the... Uh, necessarily. I always go back to the... Look, my ring gear failed on me, but I wasn't scared. <laughs> I was just pissed off. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like... I never, I can't really see. I've had any brushes with death. I've had a few, like, I he, a few, like, I don't know the right word for it. A few interesting bear encounters that were, like. Yeah, I've had some of those. Bear, were, that were, like, prickly, but I don't know that I would say scary. Yeah, I, I can't, I don't think I've really had a scary one. Now, I've had some that I was a little on edge, but not scared like I was going to die. Yeah. One time sheep hunting in the Wrangles, we went, me and my brother went across this little, I don't even know what you want to call it. We were on this like little knife edge type ridge. Oh, this was last year <laughs> when you guys had to get flown out of there, rescued out of there on the cliff, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it was not Matt, no. by the way. I just... <laughs> no, but this was like, we shimmied across, we seen these rams. Well, they, we thought they were rams. They ended up not being but we had to get closer to realize what they were. And, uh, and this was pretty early on, too, in our sheep hunting. Anyway, we uh, went across this thing. I look back and go, I wouldn't. Nowadays, I wouldn't even Not go across it. it. Not <laughs> yeah. worth it. I would have been like, them things can stay over there. I don't care. And uh, But going across it, was I knew it was sketchy. My brother just kind of, he's a mountain goat. He just went right across. And I kind of hesitated. But I, I made it across. And I was like, okay. Well, there's no other way back except for the same way we came. Yeah. And I kind of got stuck like halfway across this and it was like, you did not want to fall. Like it was down there and I wouldn't say I was scared, but it was, uh, I knew what the consequences were if I didn't, you know, didn't get across. There's been a lot, I don't know. There's been some situations where I'm like, man. If I fell right now, I'd be dead. Oh yeah, like, and that's or, that was one of them. Or you know? like, was like, or like, <clears throat> yeah, like 
doing different stuff with four wheelers, like on logs over rivers and being like, man, if I go in here, it's not going to be good. Well, I got, okay. I got a story and <laughs> the ice scares me. The, like oh, river, I go yes. through river ice scares me. Yes. I kind of, uh, I'm very cautious on that. So I got a story and I don't think I've ever even told you this story before. Oh man, you got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> I know as many stories as I've got, I've probably got some, you know, I haven't heard, but beer baiting in my inboard. We're out on the river in spring. Water's high. And, you know, basically ice just went out and it's mm-hmm. still high. I All the ice is flushed out, but there's trees and everything in the river. <clears throat> so a friend of my, my wife's best friend, um, she ended up passing away. And they had a son, teenage son. And I was like, hey, you want to shoot a bear? I mean, he never really grew up hunting. He did some mm-hmm. grouse hunting. That was about the extent of it. So I told him, I said, hey, you want to shoot a bear? I'll take you to my bear bait, you know. So anyway, we get them all ready to go, get them a hunting license and all that stuff. Anyway, we go to the bear bait, and there had been a bear there that was worth shooting, I thought. It was six-footer, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'd only had the boat out one time. Basically put the bait out. That was the only time I had had the boat out all, you know, that year. Yeah. Anyway, so, and it seemed to be okay. Everything seemed to be fine with it. And uh, we go down, we sit on the bait. He ends up killing this bear. Ended up being a little bit bigger than I thought it was. But I was glad he got himself a bear. His first big game animal he'd ever shot, you know. And he was all just excited. So we're going back upriver. And uh, I don't know what time it was middle of the night 2 a.m whatever it was and we're going along and my boat like hesitated like it was out of fuel and uh so i switched my fuel tanks i have a front and about a bow tank and, mm-hmm. a, and a and a uh back tank and the boat died i couldn't get it started again i think you may have told me this one so i and my son was with me i think I think he was probably, he was probably eight at the time, seven or eight. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, I just, so I just like, well, I'll huck the anchor out and I'll try to figure out what's going on. And I'm thinking there's water in the fuel. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pull the filter and all that and swap it. I carry a spare one. So I'm back there, got the anchor out and I've got every bit of rope because the river's ripping pretty yeah. good. I got like 200 feet of rope out to get my anchor to hook. Stick, yeah. To set. And uh, I'm laying down back there, got the doghouse open, and I'm back there working on this thing, trying to get it, figure out what's wrong. And I kind of feel this thud on the boat. I didn't think much of it. And then the kid that was with us uh, that shot the bear, he's like, hey, uh, Matt, I think there's a problem. And I'm like, what? So I kind of look up the front of the, here's this like, this thing's 40 foot, 50 foot spruce tree. Oh, jeez. Full thing that got ripped off the bank. It's got the root wad and everything. Oh, man. Crossways on my bow line of yeah, my boat. Yeah, that's no good. No. And my bow of my boat's doing this. And then you're like, how can I cut my, even reach down to cut your bow line when well, it's pinned up against that tree, huh? Yeah. It was it, it was scary because I was just like. This, all it would take is a second, like one second and you're freaking what, toast. What kind of actually saved us was once that tree was crossways, the anchor was dragging. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was actually pulling you instead so, of just sucking the boat under. But water. if yeah. if we had caught something like a tree in the water or something oh, under yeah. on the on the bottom of the river, it probably would have pushed us down. You know. No, I didn't. He- I never heard that part. I don't think I ever heard that part. Yeah, that's that is so. Spooky. And but that was the thing too. I'm like, okay, my boat doesn't run. I'm in this not the best water conditions to be out here on the river. Yeah. And I'm going to have to cut my anchor line. So not only did I lose my best anchor I've ever had in my life, it was one that I copied from a friend of mine. Yeah. It was a, it was an awesome anchor. I actually built it. <clears throat> Fortunately, I did get his back again and copied it and made another one. Nice. But lost 200 foot of rope. All of it's gone. And now we're floating down the river, no power. This is before I had a kicker on my boat, too. Yeah. After that, I was like, I need a kicker motor of some just kind. Just to get over Just to, to get to the shore, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so we're floating down, and I'm like, I'm so I'm, tr- so I'm trying to start this boat again. Can't get it to run. I got it to run a little bit, and we'd get up on step, and then the thing would just die again. It was like it was starving for fuel. And so eventually I couldn't get it started. It was like back to square one. So down the river, there was a pretty sharp bend. With a whole bunch of sweepers and stuff in it. And I'm like, I don't want to drift into that. <laughs> so the plan was, is I was like, I told these guys, I was like, we're going to float down. But I said, we're going to paddle and get as close to that shore as we can. And I said, there's like a little opening in there in between them trees. And mm-hmm. I said, we got to get where we try to drift right into that. Yep. Because those then, sweepers can, even a regular river boat, they hit a sweeper wrong, it can, oh yeah, it'll, it can capsize yeah. or swamp you. Yep. And so, especially if you get hung up yeah. with that kind of current. Anyway, we made it to shore. I had, you know, some other shorter rope in there just for tying the boat off with and whatever. I jumped basically to the shore. We drifted right up to it and I just bailed and got the boat tied off. And But it ended up being a fuel problem. It was a fuel pump. The fuel yeah. pump... I have a mechanical fuel pump and where it rides on the cam lobe that operates that fuel pump diaphragm back and forth, Yeah, it was war. And so it was war enough to where it wouldn't, it would basically starve fuel. It wouldn't, it couldn't pump basically is what it was doing. And that's what the problem ended up being. Yeah, But that was a little scary. Like being on the river, yeah, with that, that tree, <laughs> that tree, man, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, like giant trees coming down the river or not? No, not when great. when water's high like that, it's not the safest time to be on a river. I mean, no, I mean you can be, but well, a lot of times if you run at a jet and it's really high and you see there's a lot of trees coming down the river, there's also a lot of small shit that'll plug yeah, your that jet. Yeah, that you suck up. And then you can, you if you lose power at the wrong time, you get in a bad spot yep. too. Yep, exactly. Um speaking from experience. Um all right, next question. If you could only hunt with one caliber for the rest of your life in Alaska, what would it be? Matt's be like, "My Matthews compound." <laughs> <laughs> No, if I if it was gun, I'd just have a thirty out six. Six five Creedmoor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got my six five Creedmoor <laughs> can koozie, custom one. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to argue with a thirty with a thirty out six. I, uh, I just feel like it's versatile. Ammo's available. Just it's tried and true. Yeah. I don't know. It would be something like 
and I'm not, I don't geek out on guns as much as you do either. So it's like, for me, it's a very simple option. Yeah. Part of it's my, yeah. And I got to separate, like, what, what am I like interested in because it's my job and what's like practical, like there's, I don't know, you couldn't argue against 30-06 being it. Even a 308. Yeah. Even like, you know, you can go brown bear hunting with a 308 if you want to. Yeah. Like I know plenty of people who do it. But And I um, guess for me too, I'm thinking at it as a, uh, I guess, logical. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, totally. U- User-friendliness. No, you could everything. do that. Uh, yeah, like 270 would be a good one. Um, there, ultimately there's a lot of cartridges that would be totally fine. Yeah. Um, you know, the newer car, I mean, any of like, I mean like 300 PRC, seven PRC are kind of heavy, but they're good too. Six, five PRC. I mean, really aside from coastal brown bears, like six, five Creedmoor is totally fine for anything. Um, yeah, it's one of those things you could weigh. You could get way nerdy oh, about yeah. it and overthink it, but yeah, I don't. That's I, why that's an easy one for me. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it would be. It would be. You can't. That's one you can't argue with for sure. So, uh, yeah, I don't know honestly what I would. It pick. would be six five. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the gas at this gas station today? I saw they had giant, they had a giant like like three pound nut. Nut roll logs. I was going to get you a big old log. <laughs> Chew on a nut log. <laughs> but I didn't. It was because it was like 15 bucks. <laughs> it was cash only, too. Cash only, too. Yep. Go go to leg hold for links. Number four, double coil spring. I, yep. That's pretty much what, what I, I would say. That's what I would say, too. Those number three long springs are pretty like classic link straps too but the long springs are which they're fine i would never go out of my way to get them like no can, they're not as versatile as a as a double coil spring not as strong not as strong i always think that not as fast yeah I, not as easy to hide which yeah. you don't have to worry about hiding them really for cats but i think having speed though is important with a with a cat mm-hmm. you know they're fast sometimes you might only get them by well that's part of the reason for having like a number four is a big freaking trap, yeah. but their feet are so big, big, like you want to get them by more than one toe, yep. you know, ideally by the whole foot. And sometimes you only get toes. Yep. Good thing they don't, well, I won't say they don't pull hard, but. <laughs> they don't generate, they're not they, noted as being like a real hard pulling yeah. critter. Yep. Like my uncle's always like, oh, you can hold them in a zero if you can get them. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of guys catching them on Martin poles. I yeah. never have, but. Which, uh, did Rodney, uh, Rod, I won't say his last name, but Rodney ever tell you that tra- the story of catching where he's like, I swear it had to be like a second litter, like a tiny, tiny lynx he caught uh-huh. in a Martin pole and was just hanging there by one arm. And he's like, the thing's so tiny, I'm just going to turn it loose. And so he went, he's like, I went to grab it by the scruff of the neck like a cat, house cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's it just like the way he told me this story is funny. He's like, as soon as my glove touched a hair on that cat's back, the thing turned into a tornado around my, like, sh- completely shredded my parka. And he's like, I shot my whole magazine at 22 into it. <laughs> he's like, I was just going to grab it and break it, you know, yank it out of the trap and pull it, turn it loose. But 
<laughs> yeah, number four double coil spring yep. is pretty hard to go wrong with. Um, uh, what arrow setup would you recommend for a 40-pound recurve spine and weight up front? Spine's going to depend on your weight up front and your draw length, too, because draw length is going to have a big... Um, it's kind of something you just got to figure out because um, I have a pretty long draw length, so I have to use arrows that are stiffer than what, like, a normal... You know, if I'm shooting a 50-pound bow, I have to use stiffer arrows than someone shooting a 28-inch draw length would have to shoot out of a 50-pound bow. If you... And even still, your point weight, too. Yeah, point weight makes a big difference, too. So, uh, I mean, a 40-pound recurve, I like going with heavier points, but, if I mean, maybe like 150-grain point to 200. 200 would be pretty point, heavy because yeah, then your, air, your arrow weight's going to be up pretty high too um that's a tough one yeah if you're gonna take all... if you're gonna be taking pretty darn close shots probably you could probably do that but if you got an average like 28 inch draw length probably something like in the 500 arrow spine with 150 greenish points but ultimately like you got to get like you got to fine tune go to a bow shop or somewhere where you can try different spines to with that point weight to figure out what's going to get you in the ballpark. Cause it's all going to be dependent on each factor. Yep. Which I haven't, it's funny. Like I've been having shoulder problems lately uh, and I haven't shot a bow in like since last June. That's probably uh, why. <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah. Not exercising. Just, I think it's my kids climbing into bed. I've started like sleeping on my back and I hate sleeping no. on it. So I don't end up like sleeping on that shoulder. Cause I got a pretty bad, developed a pretty bad impingement and it's like i haven't even been shooting a bow so i can't say that's so that can't i can't use that excuse or thank goodness because i yeah shoot it's not shooting a bow wrong but uh had a couple strict uh, buddy sent me a youtube video with some different like impingement stretches for your shoulder to like loosen up that joint and so you're not pinching and uh it seemed slowly but surely seeming to help him but man i feel like old and broke I know I know the feeling. Um, let's see, seven mm eight or three oh eight. I'd have to say three oh eight. I would say three oh eight too. Ver- I don't, variety of bullets you can shoot. I'm gonna kind of go with my what my dad always says. If uh, if it has mm in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I'm a little. My first sheep that I ever shot was with a seven mm. Yeah, and it rim was mag not, or it, huh? The seven mag. Or, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Nine shots to kill that ram. Jeez. And it was it was literally that thing shot all over the map. It was actually was a borrowed gun. It wasn't a wasn't my gun. I had some issues with my gun, and it was couldn't like, have been you. Well, so just sighting this gun in before we went on the hunt. The guy, he says, hey, I got a rifle you can use. I was having trouble with my rifle. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, I got a gun you can borrow. So I was like, okay. So we had to do a scope swap. Oh, I, man. So we did that, took it to the range. I had two boxes through this thing, and I still didn't have it sighted in. Ooh, that's, that's, and I was like. That's a hopeless and, feeling. Well, <laughs> and, and when, I got, when I went to pick up this gun, I, and I'm not exaggerating, dude. I pulled the bolt out of this thing. I could not see light through the barrel that's how dirty this thing was and i'm like wow (laughs) i think he'd been shooting it that way 
I think the thing was just so shot out. I don't know if that's what it was. It was not a very accurate gun. Yeah. By any means, it wasn't. I got the thing. You mean it wasn't It wasn't half MOA all yeah, day long no. when I do my part? No, <laughs> it wasn't at all. I kind of got my dad. He used to, he was making fun of me. You know, the only, actually the only gun I own with a plastic stock is my Tika. Yeah. And uh, I'm just like, I'm telling you, this is a great gun. Out of the box, it's accurate, it's smooth, it's, I, I'll, I'll stick to it. I just like that gun. I, I don't know. And I'm not they're, into they're good, good I'm guns. not into a bunch of custom stuff and all that. I mean I guess maybe oh, wait if, till you see the one I'm building this winter. <laughs> and I know and I know they're they're gonna be good. A custom gun is probably gonna be a good gun, but I don't rifle hunt a ton either, you know, so it's like anyway. We did some new loads because we got a bu- I got a bunch of powder. And it wasn't the same load that we worked up for it. The powder wasn't. And so we had to work up a new load. Actually, he did. He did most of the work. But I went over to the house, over to his house and shot it. And we were getting kind of some high pressure. So he was going to like, we just loaded up a couple and then I tested them and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I just left the rifle. We didn't get done with it. And I left the rifle and I was like, just when you get these other ones loaded, just shoot it and tell me what you think. And he was just, he was like, I'm pretty darn impressed with that gun, he says. <laughs> and I'm like, makes you want to buy one, doesn't it? Because he just is like, thing's got plastic stock on it. That thing's a piece Junk. of, piece of Junk. crap. Yes, exactly. It's like the, He's like, it, all it needs is an MM after it, and it'll be even 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 worse. <laughs> well, I see that all the time. It's funny on our, like, you know, Outdoor Life, like, Facebook primarily, the story feedback. It's like it just reminds me of the Simpson, like old man Simpsons. Old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I, I always go back and forth with my dad on that stuff, but yeah. No, so I mean, some of it's some of it's legitimate, but uh, I know there's plenty of people that shoot seven millimeters and whatever. But I don't know, but yeah, for, for seven seven oh eight versus three oh eight, I would take three oh eight just because the variety of bullets. Yeah. It's not, you know, they're not quite as three thirty cal bullets aren't quite as slippery as some of those seven bullets, but I do think though too. Well, three oh eight though for I think a a younger shooter too. I mean that seven mm oh eight. My brother's boys got one. Yeah, and shoots it's that, a good and it and it actually does. His shoots pretty darn good. Yeah, but I don't know. No, they're good. They're good cartridges. Um. What's the top of your Africa hit list? I don't know if you have an Africa hit list. I don't really have an Africa hit list, but I want to kill a leopard pretty bad. I'm trying to think. If if I had the opportunity to go or I would It's not high on my there's other places I think I'd rather go. Yeah, but you got to you got to okay. you got to disregard if, all that cuz there I was the same way before I went and still like yeah, there's, I, there's I, no, plenty of stuff. Believe I, me, I would have fun. I yeah. I guarantee you I would if I went. But probably yeah, leopard would be pretty cool. Like one of them big old melon-headed leopards. Like, obviously, yeah. if I'm gonna pick, I got my choice here. It's gonna be a big one. To but be honest, I I think a hippo would be cool. Hippo would be really cool. Um, I would probably say for me, it'd probably be a hippo. Nice. 
That's easy enough. There's just yeah. There's I mean there's there's, there's so, so many much game fun, animals there's so there. much fun stuff <clears throat> like even just doing like a simple planes game hunt, yeah. but like doing like even like it's like I would spend a few days just hunting baboons. Like that'd be that would well, be a lot of fun. Well, my buddy, my buddy Jeff went over there and uh, he bow hunted, and he I remember him telling his ph or whoever he went with he's like i don't want to hunt out of no blind he goes i want to spot and stalk you yeah. know and i think he shot i can't remember don't quote me he shot like nine i think nine different and it was all planes game stuff yeah planes game animals with his recurve the only thing he didn't get with his bow and i can't remember i call them the blue bald monkeys you ever seen those oh they got like literally blue nuts i mean it's like is it a certain kind of baboon or and they're they're not like, big. They're maybe you know they're oh, setting like up. They're about vervet that tall. Monk? I don't know. I can't remember what. They're I just called. saw vervet monkeys if, and baboons. If but. just Google blue bald monkey and blue you'll know monkeys, right away. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway. that's well. When I was like in the, the place I went, a lot of that stuff was pretty damn good, like terrain for spotting and stalking. You know, you may have to be patient. It's not going to be like the normal rich guy pace of just kaboom, kaboom, yeah. kaboom. You know, but you know. Y- like the and the way stuff acted like it would you know you'd spook stuff and it would run off a little ways and then go back to i think they're just constantly bumping into other animals yeah so they're not like you know hightail it for five not, miles yeah it's not the you spook a caribou and he's running till you can't see him anymore yeah um type of deal well and i think too maybe and I, I don't know i've never been there but like talking to him he said there was always opportunity like yeah, that's there's that was, lots of opportunity. It's so like, all right, we blew this. Like, what do we do next? Yeah, and and I think that's especially bow hunting. Well, I mean rifle too, but you need opportunity because you're going to blow stocks. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna mess up, and you got to have if you got multiple opportunities, it increases your chances. Oh, for sure. Well, you know, you know, like I think, you know, uh, it's all talk. Because only one of us in this room has killed a sheep with a bow, and it's not me. But <laughs> I've often thought, like, if you could get a stock a day, or like almost a stock a day on a sheep, like on a killable sheep, like you'd have pretty good chances. I think so too. You know where you know where it's especially these days. It's like, eh, like you may you may get one stock in ten or twelve days on a sheep you yeah. want. Yep, you want to kill. Well, and that's it. You know putting together this stuff for Lewis. I'm going through things, you know, and looking at different. Lou Bradley's talking about yeah. for his next, his next generation of rampages. Yeah. The, the thing is, is like, I look back at how many times if I had my gun, how many other sheep I could have shot. Yeah. And I went home with nothing. Yeah. But, and we've talked about this before. I like to bow hunt and I, Bow hunting sheep is a thing that's just like, when you make it happen, it is like the coolest yeah. thing that you'll experience. At least, that's the coolest thing that I've experienced in, with what I've got to shoot. I could imagine, yeah. You know what I mean? That's, now, what, that's what I imagine it being like. I mean, now if I got to shoot a hippo with my bow or something like that, yeah, okay. I mean, that would be pretty cool, too. Rhinoceros. Or, <laughs> yeah, I mean, any of that kind of, you know, more yeah. wild, like, dream hunt type stuff. But... There's been so many times that it's like you just can't close the distance. You mm-hmm. can't get closer. And there's nothing you can do. And there's nothing you can do. And the next day, those sheep aren't there. Yeah. And you're starting all over again. 
and I think it's a it's mentally it's draining a lot of times, you know. But you're 100 percent right. You, if you if you had a stock a day, you went on a 10 or a 12 day hunt, and you had a stock a day, you would get one. Yeah. But it usually doesn't work out no, that way. It doesn't work out that way. You know, it's not. And I don't know. That's why I like, I think caribou, if you're on caribou, I mean, oh, if well, there's caribou around, you got lots of opportunity. Yeah. If there's a lot of caribou around and they're moving, yeah. you know, well, I mean, it took me like a day and a half to get one with my recurve, which, and it's all perspective, you know, like. It's like once you do it, it's like, oh, that really wasn't that big of a deal. It's not like it's easy. Just like the opportunity, like repeated opportunity is so big. Yeah. Because um, it was like, I mean, we tried four or five different times to cut caribou off in the right spot until finally it worked, you know. Yep. And maybe maybe the next time it would take <laughs> ten times before it would work like that. Yep. Um and sometimes it happens the first some for some people it happens the first time. But, oh yeah, uh, oh, believe me, I've shot a number of arrows and missed, and you know, you did, to me you just got to keep after it because it's like it could be that last time you try or the last day of the hunt or yeah. whatever. And I think that's or something you you're like you're like ah, I don't think this is gonna work, but I got to try something. Yep. You know, it's not always smart to go that way if you have plenty of time, but yeah. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you got to be aggressive and just be yeah. like, put put all your eggs in one basket and and know that if you, like, blow these rams out, you may not see them again. Yep. You know, so I don't know. Yep. All right. So just moved to Alaska with truck only. How do you suggest one get started bear baiting well the bear baiting is not really that good so i probably wouldn't worry about it <laughs> no <laughs> um no i mean that's I, that's how i did it for a long did it for a long time you uh i mean it's kind of like tough to think about where to start specifically but there's i mean there's especially if you're willing to get way out away from towns you know even sometimes drive a few hours and start, you know, looking at spots where you, you, you know, you think there's, and we like have episodes back talking specifically about bear baiting a lot of them um, and kind of some of the strategy. It's a lot to unpack, but really, you know, you get a backpack and you're willing to like go set up a couple baits and spots and do some research and trial on it. You know, a lot of trial, trial and error there. it's going to take because sometimes like the best, sometimes the best looking bear, your best semen bear bait spot you could ever imagine like you won't get shit in there and then sometimes spots that are kind of like yeah you're just kind of an afterthought are really good i uh so probably what i would do especially if you're just trying to get started what my old man would do is kind of like prospect and you can't do it as really well because you're limited to two bait sites but um he would just pack my old man would pack in like a five gallon bucket of uh or out of his boat whatever but out of a truck it works nice just a five gallon bucket of grease and dog food and a good stink bait and whatever if you want to use a lure but i try to keep it low cost until i you find know a that spot that's got a bears. good spot yeah and uh just a five gallon bait and a trail camera and a good stink you know a good like bucket of, of you know rotten fish skins or um 
whatever beaver you want to do, or something. beaver carcass, something for <coughs> a good, powerful, attracting lure scent. Martin lure, um, some of that nasty boar shit from Batum 907. Like that stuff's good and smelly. Some good skunk based scent. Um, and just set up, it's just, you know, you don't, you, maybe you want to set it up in a spot that you could develop with a good stand or whatever eventually, but just kind of set up like a mini bear bait and yeah like a trial run just yeah, to see do, you what, know set your two different spots and uh so you don't have a lot of like you're not hauling all sort of shit in there that you have to move if it doesn't work out and i mean give it three weeks or a month and it i mean it, it honestly like to be honest it's gonna take it's gonna like kind of a year's to find and develop like really good bear baiting spots yeah Especially, you know, from the road, it's it's worth it, and and it's not so you can't kill bears the first year, but it just takes time to 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 find and and develop those spots. But yeah, I would start small, and then if you get bears hitting it, you know, hauling a bigger barrel, more bait, whatever. But start, I'd start out with just stuff that you can haul in in one pack load. Yeah. You can haul in everything you need for kind of a prospecting bear yeah, bait. Yeah, I would agree. Don't invest in a bunch of, uh, I guess, money and setup time. Like, me personally, I've done the exactly what you're talking about. I don't even put up a stand. I don't do anything until I know that there's bears around. Bears around. Then and, you're because, not, and you don't have a, a ton of bait that you got to clean up. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because if you get it, you put it in there and you get bears on it fairly quickly, like, they're going to come back even if they eat all your food. That's your just bait, like a yeah. good a good sign. You kind of feel it. It allows you to feel out these areas. You know, it's probably not the best idea to just go full on build a stand or haul in a tree stand and shit when you're not sure about the area. And sometimes you may act like you may accidentally stumble into an area that someone else is hunting and it's not as big of a deal to move it if you just got a bucket and a and a stink bait and yeah. trail camera. Yep. Yeah, it's not something that'll happen overnight. You'll have to in, invest some time into it. And it may take a year or two. Yep. That's what uh that's what I'd say. So next one what do you do after freezing rain and your wolf snares are all cam locks? So throw them cam locks in the garbage and get some Thompsons. <laughs> no, cam locks are good, but I don't know. Like I would sometimes wax, wax. If you wax your gear sometimes, I mean, in some conditions just toast them. Yeah. We don't get a lot of freezing rain up here, so it's not as big of a deal where this guy's at. I always had, Southwest. yeah, I always ran, I had a mixture of stuff. I had Thompson's and I had some of those cam locks. I never really had an issue with anything freezing, but like you said, we don't get that here too often. You know, I'd say, so what I used to do, well, and this is kind of like um, another question of like trap preps for cona bears, which I didn't really, I don't really do any up here because like you're using them for beaver or if wolverine stuff like wolverine doesn't give a shit about human scent like canine does. Um, and we don't have like the salt water to like really corrode them. Like if I was by the salt or really like freeze thaw weather, I would probably like light, I, I don't know, I, I call light wax. I've never like full on like melt a whole pot of wax, wax my traps. Them. What I would do is I would, if I was going to wax stuff, my boiling water, I'd put like some spruce boughs in there and throw a couple blocks of wax. Well, partly because I was freaking cheap. I didn't want to buy a pair of like 
five gallons of paraffin wax. Yeah. Um, I just throw blocks of wax in my boiling water and it would melt and, you know, simmer traps in there. And then when you pull, like slowly pull them out, the would put a light that, coat of it. Put a light coat of wax on your traps. And I would probably do that if I was worried about like corrosion on my traps, on my con. The thing with, <laughs> with 330 con bears is they're fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're, if you're going to wax something like that, you're just making it that much faster and probably that much more dangerous. Yeah. Um, because <coughs> even sometimes number nines, man, like number nines are freaking. You get you get the right number nine a little too waxy, man. They get slippery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, like, yeah, down there where you get freeze thaw waxing stuff is a better practice because you don't like up here maybe a light coat of wax, but you don't get the freeze thaw and, and stuff still works fine. Yeah, generally without waxing it. That was my uncle. He's like, it makes those traps too damn fast when they're when they're waxed. Yeah, too easy to set off. Um, but yeah, that's probably what I would do is just like light like some wax in your boiling water if if you're going to boil them and and just to give it a light coat where the wax sits on top of the water. Yep. And as you pull it, it's as just you pull it, it coats it rather yeah. than just try to do a gigantic. Probably cost more than half your freaking fur to buy that much wax. Um, uh, did you ever get your hand arm caught in a body trap? No, but I've got my hands caught in just about every other kind of trap. I still yeah. remember one time I was resetting a number five. We had just like whatever, for whatever reason, this number five coil spring on a link set. And I was setting it, pushing it against the tree, like a tree, pushing the coils down with my hands. My uncle's <laughs> like, I hope you got your camera handy. Cause I'm going to take a picture with you when you catch yourself. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, and then pow, <laughs> he just starts laughing. <laughs> I'm, Ow. Well, my uncle Tracy, was it him or his buddy? He was his buddy got both thumbs caught in a number nine one time. <laughs> so I've had both thumbs in a number five double coil. Ouch. And uh, I still get made fun of from my trapping partner for that because he could hear me all the way down. There was a slough and uh, we called it runway slough. Anyway. Wolverine had walked through, came through there, and I'm like, I'm gonna catch that Wolverine. I had a few number five, fives yeah. in my sled, and I, I had to cut drags for him. There was nowhere to anchor, so <clears throat> he's like, "Well, I'm gonna go down to the end of the slough and and uh, eat lunch and whatever. You mess around with your Wolverine or whatever." <laughs> so I hurry up, whip out a couple uh, these sets, you know, and both these traps that I had. I didn't have the pans tuned and they were sky high. Basically yeah. they were aimed up. That's where like, so on a, a regular trap, you got the dog that holds the you got a loose jaw. Then you've got the main jaw. Mm -hmm. the, the spring is under tension. Your dog, which is just a little piece of sheet metal that's folded, basically connected to the frame of the trap folds over to hold the jaw, of the trap down and your pan kind of cocks up and the <coughs> dog fits in a notch in the pan. What he's talking about you, you have your traps tuned or your dogs tuned. Some guys will adjust the length, of, like file the, the dogs down shorter. Some guys will file a notch in the dog. So you kind of click them in night latch them or whatever. Yep. you click them into a spot where ideally when that trap set, you want the thing level, level and you want the pan perfectly level or slightly below level. So it's a nice like low spot and it's not sticking up. Yeah. Um, so what he's talking about is he's got, the, the trap set and the pan is high. As high. So, which all, 
if you can't get it down too low, it almost means like the dog's a little too short, huh? Yeah. Okay. So kind of what you got to, what I've done before is I'll even bend where the dog is attached. There's like that tab that comes yep, up. Yep. You can bend that and then gain length. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. But I didn't, I didn't tune these traps and they were, they were sky high. And <laughs> I'm, I got the first one set and basically what I was doing is I was just like getting them as level as I could. They were just hair freaking triggers basically. And I was like, that's better than nothing. I mean, yep. if a bird lands on one, it's, it's going off. But anyway, so I'm on the last set and I'm trying to hurry cause he's down there waiting, you know, and whatever. And, and this was right off the side of the trail. And, uh, I get this thing set, got some wax paper and I, I got this like little hole there and I'm like, I basically had both thumbs on the, on the dogs. Yeah. And I had this thing set hair trigger. I mean, the pan is literally wiggling on the, on the, <laughs> on the edge of the on, dog, on yeah. the dog there. Yeah. So I got both, both my hand, my hands and I'm, I'm like, I just kind of like wiggling this thing down to get it down where I want it. That thing freaking went off and sucked both my thumbs up inside up in there. Oh man. And I just I just had some thin just some really thin gloves on. Gloves, yeah. And I'm just yelling and And you I'm, probably your hands probably got it to where you can't get your boots on the ears I, of the trap exactly. to, to, to open it up. <laughs> Fortunately my left hand it was barely in there. Like I think I just flinched enough to pull yeah. back on it where it barely had it and I actually just ripped my thumb out. And, but the other one was stuck, but at that point I had one free so I could just push it down and I got my thumb, man, it peeled the skin off my thumb and it was bleeding all over the place. You know, it's cold. You know, when your hands are cold and you just bleed like crazy, I was bleeding everywhere and I'm yelling this, this mother effort, you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) I was so mad. I was just like, anyway. He could hear me all the way down at the other end, and I get down there, and my thumb is, like, swelled up, and it's bleeding all over. And he's laughing. He's like, sky high, huh? And Because I, I was yelling, stupid sky high trap, you know? <laughs> he, oh, man. Anyway, he still makes fun of me over that one. Yeah, well, that makes it hard, man, when your pans are high, because then you can't, you try to, like, yeah. level snow over it, and then yeah. it just, like, every, it just is catching every little bit of, uh, that's usually when I'd snap myself is when I'd. I'd sift some snow over the top, and I'd be like, all right, I'll just take yeah, a little bit off. I'll just a take little. a little bit off, so I, like, pull my gloves off my fingers a little bit, just sweep a little bit, and pow! pow. Yeah. All this uh, trapping talk's making me feel like kind of a loser nowadays, man. Like, I, it's, this been, is, it's been a couple of years since I peeled the wolf. I mean, to be fair, I have skinned hundreds of them, so I... I got a few. I got a few uh, solicitations this fall to see if I was doing it still, but I kind of like my shop not smelling like ass. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I. I was. I, getting, I, I as was much as I hate, as much as I bitched about it, I do. I do like putting up fur. I like it. I got kind of got the hankering a little this year, thinking that I may trap, but it's beyond that at this point. So maybe yeah. next year we'll see. We'll see. I think once the cats. I'm gonna try to like get back into it. once the cats come back a little bit and Jed'll be to the age where he can get out and do that stuff. He'll really enjoy it. Oh, now yeah. that I'm a dog dad, I can't catch the local neighborhood fox <laughs> in the backyard like you used to be able to do. You get them conditioned with dog food, man. Oh yeah, dirt holes in October and then November first. You're you're waiting for them. I haven't seen. 
I've seen a few fox around, but like in same my backyard, I haven't had a lot of them. We got like a couple that hang around. Yeah, but, well, they're probably kind of on a little bit lower cycle too, because like there's yeah, hardly I think any rabbits. We, like, but there's got, been a lot of voles though. That's what's. Yeah, it seems like a lot of voles. I've seen a lot of fox around town, but like in the typical fox spots, yeah. you know that everybody sees them. Yeah. Over by the university is always like a hotbed. Yeah, them fields out there. And for as much damn yeah. money as I gave that place, like they should have let me run a few traps Trap. out there, you know. <laughs> Just a personal opinion. So I'll probably nurse this one, this Alaskan Grizz Coffee Brown. Ale brewed with coffee, like so it's like a poor man's Red Bull and vodka, I guess. It's actually not too bad. Is it chocolatey tasting or no? Uh, not really, no. Can't even say it's coffee tasting. It just tastes like a dark, dark beer. Dark beer. Oh. But. I don't know if I'd like that or not. I don't know if you would either. It's not your cranberry, your cranberry, whatever, seasonal stuff. They do all, Alaska Brewing does all kinds of shit now. Remember, it used to be summer ale, winter ale, oh, amber. Yeah. I think, I think all of them companies do like the seasonal thing anymore a lot of them they got I, so many damn more ipas than uh you should be an expert than a going to Bozeman. backcountry hunters Go, and anglers yeah. conference <laughs> holy shit i was gonna say yeah this should have been a pint night pint night yeah <laughs> oh man that may have been all the uh the questions that I had pulled up anyway. But, uh, yeah, have a regular old pint night around here. <laughs> that was funny. I was texting you when you were down there, and I was like... Oh, doing the... Yeah, the, going on the media yeah, podcast. I was like <clears throat> asking you about how, how the old town of Bozeman was. and <laughs> There's a lot of pints around Bozeman, <laughs> for sure. Probably definitely different. A little different. It was different. Like, it was... Yeah. It was weird. It's always weird going down to the lower 48. It's kind of like, I, I mean, I grew up in Colorado, so it's not like I... It's like yeah, it's oddly, not like you've never, it's like you've oddly, never been anywhere. Oddly, but. you know, like parts of it are kind of familiar, but I've been gone for a long time. It's strange. Flying over, it's like, oh man, look at all that hard ground that you could just walk anywhere. <laughs> anywhere you want. Yeah. But no, I went well. Actually, they just posted, they finally posted that episode yeah i just listened to it the other day yeah. oh and you texted me actually i feel like I was, it i was like what the heck man i just started listening to this and then you texted me out of the blue oh. i'm coming back <laughs> yeah. i'm driving back home from town and i'm like he's got itching ears i guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Stroder's always good for a date yeah. <laughs> um yeah no i feel like it went pretty well especially i was it was funny because I went and like watched it on YouTube. I was curious, and I was jittery as shit, man. <laughs> well, I think you did pretty good. I I think I I actually wish though he would have gave you a little more time. I mean, if he's got you back, I mean, you guys are probably talking about something else. But I feel like there was so much stuff to cover there. Oh, there is. It's and you can't even you can't even hurt. I mean, just barely scratch the surface yeah. of it. Like off the top, I hadn't got the. Uh, seen the like gotten confirmation that like this year there was a lot more like young seven year old and younger rams killed or maybe not a lot more than normal but it was quite a bit it was like 40 percent 
or seven and younger statewide of the four hundred fifty or three hundred fifty rams that were killed statewide were seven and younger. So <laughs> my math so I've had a few beers, so <laughs> one hundred seventy five ish rams, you know, something like that, which is a, is is a I don't know what to think of it totally. I mean, in um, Windling and those guys are like, well, you know, we also, they're like, we did kind of expect this because one thing that I, and also that I forgot to say or didn't like come up was that, um, you know, part of the, part of the issue with the low population is now it, it low you know lower number of rams harvested and whatever you want to say or maybe in the higher number of young rams harvested is you know nine ten years ago we had a couple of bad lambing springs too so you're also dealing with like a, a you know a lack of not lack missing of but a lack of yeah. like rams in this age, age category that are like the eight nine or nine ten year old rams right now so. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's kind of alarm. It is like more alarming to see that many young rams. But I'm, you know, I'm of the mindset that like if you need to do something, like address something that's going to make a difference. Like if the young rams is an issue, don't do this fucking thing where you're like, oh well, you can't age ram, you can't kill that twelve year old ram that's full curl, and you know he's a mature ram, you know, because it's going to keep six seven-year-old rams from getting killed by people thinking they're trying to count rings and not doing it right when the majority of seven-year-old rams that are getting killed are full curl rams yeah well and i thought it was a good point and i'm glad you brought that up on on the podcast there too was the fact that those sheep those seven eight seven and eight year old rams the mortality of them you know, after breeding oh, yeah. and everything. After they're eight it, years old and breeding. I mean, because I, I remember years ago, area me and my brother was hunting, and I mean, we'd see we'd see those kind of sheep every year. They weren't quite legal. Well, it seems you know? like every year I've gone, it's they're like, oh man, next there's so year, many rams that are going to be yeah, legal next year. Yeah, this ne- is going to be, it's going to be ex- loaded. Exactly. And I didn't really know that. And then I talked to somebody at, you know, fishing game. I didn't remember who it was, but... And they kind of explained that, and I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, most then, of the, and that's most why of the you deadheads I've found are eight, nine-year-old rams. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, then there's room for, like, differing, like, slightly different opinions. Like, I just think that a lot of rams are not, even if you leave them alone, are not going to make it to 10 or no, 11 years old. they're not. Like, the mortality just shoots right up. And, yeah, if you clip off all, like, if in theory, you clip off all the older rams, that mortality is just going to bump down to the next age class, at least for a while. But, I mean, I tend to, maybe it's just being optimistic, I tend to prescribe to the, you know, like, I don't know, kind of Heimer talking about his research when they went to full curl in 20A, that all of a sudden, after a couple of years, like, yeah, harvest didn't deteriorate at all. And all the, like, this age structure just bumped up a couple years because then it would, you know, and it allowed, it allowed that recovery, you know? So it was, uh, so yeah, that was, that was one thing I missed that. Yeah. That that there were, it wasn't because the presentation Brad had given was, you know, from last year and year before, and there hadn't been like a ton of, a 
a disproportionate number of young Rams killed, and this year it was higher. But also the number of Rams was super low killed this year, so it was. Uh, but that's also because there's less hunters. So yeah, and, and, was, and there was a lot less hunters. And, and that's the thing; that's a big factor. You know, when you start looking at these numbers, it's a good thing to look at the numbers, but you have to look at the amount of hunters too. Yeah, which it was like less than a thousand, I think. It was pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty low. I don't know. The the only other thing I could like like kind of nitpicked about myself was that uh, one of the guys had asked if the state was doing anything. And basically I said like basically no, but I kind of like in the moment forgot about the 19C thing, which they closed the non-residents, which I don't really totally agree with. Um, I think that kind of caves to that mentality a little bit. Maybe there's something that can be done, but I don't know that, I don't know if that's the answer or what. I don't know if that's all. I'm just like I'm just a, I'm just an armchair quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, there's a lot to with that whole situation with that. There's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of information and there's a lot of I guess facts to get straight and you know what I mean. Oh yeah. It's it's not it's a very complicated issue. It's not a very I, I don't want to say cut and dry. I mean, there's aspects of it, that and are it's pretty not a dry, state, but, and it's not a statewide, yeah, like one size fits all. Yeah, that's very issue true. either. So it's yeah, but I think it, you know, like that came out pretty well. I think it's important to like have because I think a lot of people in lower forty eight don't get an accurate view or like our perspective are like yeah. on the ground perspective of what's going on. And that was kind of encouraging because I think Steve like understands that we're getting fucked by the feds. Well, and he brought up a very interesting point and, and I do think, I mean, how quickly this happens. He was talking about, you know, what's going on here could potentially happen in other States. Yeah. You know, federal wise. Yeah. And I do think he's kind of right with that. And I mean, going also with what you're saying with, uh, or you guys touched on this as well, like, here, he brought it up, I believe, like, the trust issue, like, usually yeah, when you right. go, when 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 these kind of things happen, it's usually not, it's not like they're going to take a step back later on and be like, okay, well, we're going to go yeah, back. It, it just, there's so many times it just, that doesn't happen. Well, and all that, and I was, I was glad to be able to, like, lay out at least some basic stuff about Anilka. Because basically since Anilka, I mean, that's like the, I mean, Anilka was the greatest loss of hunting opportunity the state has ever seen. And since then, it's just been take, 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 take. Yeah, and you never that, And like, that's why we don't freaking trust. That's why no one, that's what, well, and, you know, you could get, there's so many aspects you get, you could get into like, a lot of the personal interactions on, you know, like the Yukon Charlie, all the shit the Park Service has pulled where, like, frankly, it's some, you hear some of the stories, like, I can't believe there hasn't been gunfights yeah. up there. Yeah, But, I mean, literally, it's that bad. Like, you know, I know, you know, of not my story, but guys getting in, like, <clears throat> literally Mexican standoffs with the Park Service mm-hmm. at, in the middle of the night. You know, nobody knows who's, or they don't know who's out there digging through their boats in the middle of the night being sneaky um that like you consider all this shit that, that goes on up yeah. here that most people don't even have a clue that and, it happens uh, yeah that it happens and you know and 
then you wonder why, like, well, why don't they trust the federal government to <laughs> yeah. keep their word, you yeah. know? And, and, you know, it was pretty, it was encouraging, you know, encouraging, I think, to see that he at least, like, is asking the questions like, yeah, is this, and I think is kind of also suspicious of the motives behind a lot of this closure thing, you know, like the Central Brooks Range. Yeah. Is it coincidence that the person who is responsible for this whole closure has a reputation of, like, trying to do things to keep people out of there? Yep. yep. Is that coincidence? And has for a it while. It has for a long time, you know. <clears throat> is, uh, you know, is it coincidence that there's been all these, like, horrible like loss, you know, interactions with the National Park Service and the Yukon Charlie Preserve and lawsuits filed and one taken all the, you know, all the way to the Supreme Court. And then they shut down the area with no, that doesn't have a subsistence sheep hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And know, it, put and on it, my tinfoil hat, it, but. And I in don't an think area too that doesn't have that high a success anyway. I mean, it's no, not like abysmal success and not a lot of sheep and sheep that are like, like that are just historically spread out and in weird places. And, you know, I know, I know a guy that was planning on hunting there this year. I threw a friend, know a guy that was planning on hunting there this year and, uh, couldn't, and they went, we went up there to go caribou hunting anyway. It's like, we saw all kinds of sheep. Every freaking hill had sheep on it. You know, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Am I a conspiracy theorist? I don't know. But uh, yeah. anyway, I th- I think it went really. I think it re- went really well, and I like I came away with a pretty good because you know we kind of like. So, I'm sure like Steve and I don't agree on everything by any means, but uh, yeah, I'll talk to anybody. And it yeah. was my question. Is, I think it was a good. <laughs> my question is, did he know where I'm going? <laughs> Did you guys talk about Oscar Busco? No, we did not talk about Oscar Busco. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get his secret re- recipe. Although I did, I did, uh, I did, sh- I did show him the picture of uh, afterwards. I was like, and it's funny because you meet someone and and like you try to like feel someone out as a person a little bit in limited time, and it was I was kind of shitting rocks, like not that I was scared to talk to anybody. It was like really surreal. It was kind of weird. And that morning, I choked on a like, oh yeah, your, Dave's your killer bread, bread seed, seed <laughs> in my throat, and I was like, literally on the like ten minutes before I left to drive over there, I'm hacking and coughing, and it was horrible. It's like holy shit, but uh, you know, and then it's like show up and bam, we're rolling, and not really any prep or anything like that. But man, it was it was fine. Um, I don't know where I was going. With that, you showed but, him a picture or something. Oh yeah, the picture. So. Uh, <laughs> picture i was like you don't know like how someone's gonna take you don't really know is gonna take something and i'm like all right well i think you have a sense of humor about this so i was like all right so just as uh like think about like lloyd christmas i was like <laughs> so so i took this picture said that's steve Rinella's shit it's full of shit this tastes nothing like bread dough <laughs> and showed him in <laughs> with the sheep eyeball in my mouth <laughs> Did he laugh? <laughs> yeah, he laughed. Uh, As any weird. like reasonable person would do. Did yeah. I ever show you that picture? I think you, I don't remember if you did or not. It's the one that Connor sent to the African guys to like print out. Oh yeah, okay. Have on their, yeah, okay. <laughs> have on their, uh, their happy birthday 
sign, which I should have got him the giant nut roll. <laughs> That'd be an appropriate Connor thing. <coughs> yeah, I was like, that tastes nothing like bread dough. <laughs> Jeez, that's funny. But <laughs> no, I thought yeah. it was pretty good though. It was a. Uh... I mean, it kind of it would have been, would have been yeah, very like very limited time. Like it would have been, you fly all the way down there. And it would have been fun to talk, and maybe yeah, maybe we'll get a chance to do it again. It would have been fun to talk about more fun stuff, but that stuff's important too. Like yeah. people don't, you know, people need to hear about that. Yeah. I hate well, to be the bearer of bad news, but they do. <laughs> no, and you're 100% right. I mean, I've said it before on here when that first, all that stuff first came out. And it was before, kind of, before it even came out, like, you yeah. know, the guys, at, the guys at the state were like kind of telling people like, hey, this is not looking good. Well, that's how, that's how I found out about it. Yeah. I hadn't even heard about it. And, you know, guy, it was even funnier. Well, not even funny, but, you know, like I called up, uh, Jonah, and was like, he didn't even hear about it. Yeah. He freaking guides in there. It's like, you know, how do you guide in there and don't even know about it? Yeah. That's what surprised me. I was like, okay, so they've been keeping this under the radar. This has been, that was, yep. that's what, that's yeah. what really well, kind of tripped my you, trigger a little bit. People being sneaky in that, in that wall. And then the, the Charlie stuff, the, the, wait till four days before the season and then. You don't even have the opportunity for input. Like, it's just the feds doing what they doing what they want to do. You know, I think yeah. that's my opinion. Well, I don't know. It's. I mean, I I do I do think that there are people. I'm sure that there are people that work for them that think they are doing the right thing, and that. But like, I don't agree, and I don't, and I think, but I think that there are people that like it's. There's an agenda there. There's definitely an that's agenda. getting that's utilizing the current sheep population issue to move that agenda forward. So have you heard it? I haven't really heard or saw anything like about this coming year. Like No, because all those are supposed to expire. The yeah. the Northwest start, the Caribou one, the tw- Unit 23 one, the Central Brooks, and the Charlie one. I mean, no, I haven't heard anything. I would assume that they're going to reinstate them. If I if I was a betting man, I guess time will tell. I'm not a very good betting man, or I'd be able to have a lot more money than I do. <laughs> but so if that's if that's the case, then that then that's a good thing for for sheep hunting. But um, I have a hard because you you're just not with sheep. You're not going to see a meaningful change in two years. No, you're not. That's what I was curious about too. I mean, that's a scary thing. So it's like so. Okay, you know, yeah, that's a given. You're just not going to see a change in two years or four years or six years. Maybe seven, eight years, you might start to see something, some kind of change where you can, like, tell, like, all right, we have this certain, like, bumper crop of seven-year-old, six, seven-year-old rams coming up um, well, in theory, but it would take that long. And then after that long, it, well, it's been... Does even does anyone even remember the year they closed the Western? That's, well, that's what I was just going to ask. 
it's just not it, even no one even talks about it anymore. Uh, I know, and that's that's what I was just gonna say. You guys talked about that, and I think I don't know that you ever got the finish. I didn't, and uh, I, that, about that was that, because, that was kind of the thing. Is my my brain's like firing? I'm like trying to cover everything, and you just forget because I didn't finish that thought on there was is that the western brooks range like no one even talks about it anymore no one's like all right hey how about this year we open that back up well what what's this, okay so they've had a close i mean how many years i has don't it know been now i don't know it's been six it's been six seven years yeah it, i think it's been six or seven so have the numbers come back no you know by closing it down and yeah. you know protecting all these sheep and you know, the which supposedly is, is going to have a higher survival rate and all this stuff. Which is well, which is why, like, I mean, I mentioned on there, these guys that are like, you know, why it, you know, why it was so good back then is because everybody, like, every spring, every outfitter up there would go up there and blast shit out of the wool. You know, which like they just can't do now. Yeah. So some of some of it's a non-starter just because the feds have us. You have have yeah. Everybody's hands everyone's, tied. You know, hands tied, and they can't. You you know, you can't do. You know, it's not like the feds are going to open up a predator control season on golden eagles either. Yeah, <laughs> which in some places that might, yeah, like might not be the worst thing if you're wanting sheep to survive. But well, in the old days, and yeah. kind of like, I don't know, you know, in the twenty, well, so like seventies and eighties, you know, you're following a lot of that, like, just unabashed extreme predator control where freaking no holds barred. Well, and I think a lot of that, they may not have actually had a season on it, but I guarantee you that stuff went on. Oh, yeah, well, you know what I and mean? that's what, that's what some of the, you know, some of the old timers talk about is, like, the guy, like, outfitters up in that country just went up there and did it. You know, one guy was saying, like, oh, it's kind of a shame because they just leave all those wolves laying back in the day when they would go up there and airplane them, but they like were invested in doing everything they could for like having quality sheep hunting back mm-hmm. in the day there. And it's just not with the level of scrutiny now, it's just not possible. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's definitely it. The scrutiny. And even, you, an, you know, with... another kind of thought that I don't <laughs> think I really finished well was in the ring. You know, I mean, Wrangell St. Elias, Lou Bradley talked about going through cause they, like he went through there because it's not like it was when Harry, when Swank killed that yeah. ram in there because like people quit using it and they quit killing the hell out of the pred- out of the wolves and you know coyotes, whatever's in there. And it's just not the same, like, yeah. there's, there's just not the number of sheep. Denali Park's the same way, yeah. And that's Denali's- and that's another thing that I could have, like, you know, just for illustration, is all these unhunted, you know, Denali <coughs> National Park's experiencing the same type of sheep you know it's not even a decline you know sheep crash that mm-hmm. everywhere else is yep so i don't know and there's no I'm hunting. my own and there's worst, no hunting there's pressure. no hunting at all not yeah. even subsistence yeah so it's uh but you know like you know wayne talked about in the 30s denali like there had it was a huge sheep crash and even in denali you know they're walking through picking up they picked up like 600 deadheads or something in Denali. But. Yeah, that was a good book. I actually forgot when I had gotten that book, I was going to ask you if you had gotten it. Yeah. <coughs> Wayne, Wayne's, Wayne's sheep, yeah. sheep Management History book. There's just a lot of tidbits that, in there that people just don't know. Really, I know? think that book uh, is long overdue. Yeah. Personally. I mean, with the info that's in there. In yeah. there. 
and why that stuff came about. I mean, he gives he gives a good a lot of good info in that book. Yeah. But it's I don't know. I mean, not that I'm an author, I could write a book <laughs> on something like that either, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's I don't know. And I know he got a lot of grief for that back in the day. I mean, that was well, he talks about it in that book. Yeah. Like he just yeah, his outlook and stuff. It was yeah, it's it's a good it's a good book and just every bit of like actual information you can get from you know it, it doesn't take that long for for information to disappear basically or people to forget about why things are the way they are or or what happened well and i think i feel like it's even more so nowadays no i think that like you said though the just you're talking about the information gets lost or people forget about it well look just just like you said people don't even talk about the western brooks range yeah after so, a few years a few years it's like and the amount of turnover we get up here, you know, just people moving in and out, like it's kind of a train. There's a lot, a lot of train. Yeah, rel- a lot of the population's relatively transient, and yeah, you just kind of like you come to Alaska and you, ex, you understand it for what it is when you get here and while you're here, while you're here, and you don't get like like how it was. You know, someone, it was funny, because I saw a comment, someone was saying, like on this Renella podcast, someone about the pen Jimmy Carter used to sign, whatever, um, that they knew someone who was like, oh, they're like, oh, like a conservative Republican kept that pen, has that pen next to a picture of Jimmy Carter on their wall. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know anybody who, who likes Jimmy Carter around here, <laughs> yeah. man, because all these guys, I you know, some of the guys I'm thinking of, like hate just yeah hate the guy's guts mm-hmm. for what he did to their hunting opportunity you know like and yeah the it's getting fewer and fewer of those people who are around that are uh like literally had that taken from them yeah and they're not had they're like created lifetimes of hatred well i was gonna say <laughs> those people didn't forget and look how long ago no, that was yeah they you know? they have not forgotten it's uh it's interesting i i was uh yeah, it's been about a month ago. I went over, like, finally uh, went over and visited with Chuck Gray a bit, which, you know, for people who don't know, Chuck Gray, I would love to get him on the podcast. Hopefully he, he will. He's a, he was, I mean, he was around, like, since the 40s, and I don't know, have you seen his videos? Because he did, a, like, a presentation of his video at uh, TVSA a while back. So I couldn't I, make it. So I haven't seen his videos. I've only seen the Shebel ones that he's in. Yeah, the Leroy Shebel yeah. ones. Um, which is interesting because he said he sold his like he sold Leroy his uh, his like rights to his you know the footage because uh, Shebel used a lot of the footage Chuck Gray shot in mm-hmm. his videos. But Chuck Gray has his own DVD of like. Uh, of all kinds of stuff up here, polar bear hunting and brown bear hunting. And, um, he's like, ironically, like not moose hunting. He borrowed some of Norm Amstrip's videos, which I don't know if, did you know him? Mm-mm. I never knew him well, but I, and I, I don't even know if he's still around. I haven't, but Norm, uh, would always come in. I'd met him when I was working at holiday parks there. Um, he'd be in there periodically and I'd talk, I was talking to him about bear hunting and stuff like that. But, uh, he borrowed some of his moose footage, but he had all kinds of, um, Chuck had all kinds of, hunting footage like going and hunting walrus out in like um way out in those islands and uh, out in the pacific and barter like the the release of the musk ox up in uh Kaktovik. Mm-hmm. 
you know, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, talking to him, he, like you talk to him about, you know, like coming, like coming on or telling some of the stories. And it's like, he's taught, he's like, you can tell he's like taught. He's like, I'm, I'm trying to describe to you like a totally different world that I, Oh, I'm sure it probably was. In. You it know, was. he's like, he's like, it's kind of like one of like, just, and this is just like my talk to him. I get the impression that he's like, like what, how can I even describe how good we had it and what we, you know, the, the cool stuff we could do and, and whatnot. Um, like in a way, a totally, totally different world, but he's a super cool guy. He I, would I be, he would be awesome. It to would have be on. amazing just to talk about anything. I mean, the guy's so experienced, like. The guy, well, in his videos, he has like the first bison hunt in Alaska with Chuck. He has footage of uh, Frank Glazer, like, because huh. he went and helped guided guided that. Like, I mean, he knew Frank Glazer. He knew Jim Reardon real, real well. Um, yeah, super. Yeah, he's got to be getting up there in age. Then he's too, in his nineties. Yeah, he's 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 old. Super super nice guy. Um, and so yeah, but uh. Huh. Yeah, he would be a good one if you could get him on. I'm sure he's got some unreal stories. Yeah. Even yeah, any any of it, man. It's just it's I can't get enough here and just stories about Fairbanks and hunting up here back in back in the days. Well, so like you said, a lot of them people there's not a lot of them around anymore either, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're they're starting to be less of those people to, to tell those those stories. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I didn't ask if he if he knew my grandpa's family too well. I think my grandpa was pretty mellow, but my my dad's uncle Gordon. My wife was working at the Pioneer Home before he got married, and like we got engaged, and she was telling one of the old ladies there, "Oh, I got you know Tyler Friel." She's like, "Oh, Friel." She's like, "Are you sure about this?" She's like, <laughs> I think it was Gordon. Like, I remember when Gordon got drunk and drove his car through the front of the grocery store or something like that. <laughs> My God, they're kind of they're kind of crazy, they're, huh? They're, they're the they're wild, huh? Yeah, not not too wild anymore. But uh, no, she she got you under control. Yep. Yep, I'm too old for that kind of stuff these days. <laughs> Although I hear Frank's in the business of like accidentally driving into Canada, he's down in Vermont. Oh yeah, I know. I I texted him once, but no, I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> yeah, he texted us. Oh, it was so foggy. I accidentally drove into Canada. The trouble is to get back into the U.S. You have to have a passport, and I don't have one. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. When's he get back? I wonder. Not too long, and then I think he's probably going to be blasting out to blasting out. That's well. That's what I texted him. I said, "You at the cabin?" (laughs) He's like, "I wish." I wish. Yeah. Yeah. That's when he was like, "Yeah, no, I'm gone." Yeah, I want to go up there and lay away some sharpies. Holy we t- shit! We, we talked. We Whoa. talked about it. He's like, we need to go Ooh. up there this winter and yeah. get some sharpies. And I Dude, was like, especially we don't have that much snow. You poor Anchorage suckers got all loaded, complaining about being loaded with snow. It's kind of nice here. We haven't got that much. No, we're we got a it's decent amount, nor- but probably it's, like normal yeah. or a little bit below normal, maybe. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, but yeah, yeah, get out and that'd be fun before it gets too late. Yeah, 
Well, before you got to wade in chest deep snow yeah. to like go pick them up. Yeah, that'd be It'd fun. Be though. fun. I still need to go lake trout fishing a little bit, uh, yeah, a couple times. I, got some stuff planned, but yeah, I'm I'm behind the curve on everything. About lake my, trout fishing, pike fishing. Bef- yeah, you know, I promise. I promised my wife I'd take her pike fishing this spring, so we need to. I need to go do that a bunch. Yeah, you have to let me know when you guys go because uh, Lisa's got her sled now. Uh, I yeah. took her down there last year. That was the first time she's ever got to oh, go. Oh, wow, nice. So they, her what? and my daughter both, they went. and I took Jed down last spring, and he had a bla- he had a blast. It'll be more, I think she'd enjoy it more in the springtime. She mm-hmm. ain't going to want to go in February or nothing yeah. like that, but um, she did have fun. It was a good time. Well, we'll she start, she we'll didn't start. care for the ride, yeah. but she liked the fish. And she was a little when we got there because she was like, "Geez, how freaking far is this?" You know, and I'm like, "I told you." What you am know? I talking about? I brought Jed down. You were there. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Because Lisa came down last year when Jed. Yeah, that was that. Was it the same trip? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Lisa and and your daughter were. Yeah, right. It was. I, I remember you bringing Jed down, sled, and I brought Jed down yeah. and. And your brother came out. And yeah, yeah. That was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I got videos. I can't handle him, yeah. Dad. <laughs> well, him and his him and his little cousin, who's a year younger than he was, so he's seven oh, yeah. and yeah. his cousin's he was down six. There too. They start hooting and hollering, you know, the whole, like, 15 yards down the, you know, they start yipping and hollering and pulling on their fishing rod. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. You know, then all of a sudden they yank this big old 40 inch bike up on the ice. I'm like, oh man, that is a big one, boys. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool that kids get to catch big It's like, all right, I guess, because normally it's nice to turn those big ones loose. But I was like, all right, we'll keep that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny how uh, when kids catch that kind of stuff, I mean, Nothing wrong with it. They want to keep it. That's cool, you know. But I think it's a sentimental thing for them. You know, yeah. they're like, "I caught this big fish. I mean, I want to keep it and eat it or whatever." Yeah. You know. But, yeah. But yeah, and it, I mean, yeah, it's not. It hasn't set in as an adult. Well, I mean, shoot, even these little stalker lakes. I'm like, turn around. He's got four of them stuffed in the snow. <laughs> Like, come on, man! Like, we are only going to eat so many of these. Like, I'd just soon turn those little little, little stalkers loose to catch or other people to catch too. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like eating them that much. I'll eat them. I don't doesn't bother they're okay. me. But, I mean, they're fine, yeah. but I'm not going to go out of my way. I would. They're just yeah. as much fun to catch and turn loose as yeah. they are to clean a pile of them. And that I and I remember when my kids are smaller. You know, I'd be taking them all the time doing that, and they'd have. They'd have, to me, it was more, those kind of places are great places to take the kids because they're probably going to catch a dang fish. Oh, yeah, or, or a lot. Yeah, A lot when, of them, you know. When the fishing, you know, it's, yeah, growing up, I don't know how many times I've probably mentioned this, growing up in southern Colorado where the fishing is dog shit. Like, I was fishing crazy, and I thought, man, if you caught, like, one or two, two rainbows in a day, man, you were that was doing a awesome. good day. My dad was always just disgusted. He's like, this is stupid. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, and, and then, it, But then you get a place where I can take my kids not far out of town and have them catch 15, you know, catch fish as quick as I can take them off the hook. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to 
spoil them, but yeah. which is well, why I'm like I'm like WTF man when you got yeah. when you got fifteen guides fishing out there guides yeah. out there. Yeah. Well that's what I was saying, kinda I guess going back to that was the fact that that encourages kids to go and wanna go fish. Whereas, you know, like I remember the first time I took Dylan Lake Trout fishing, he was like, What the freaking heck? I fished <laughs> yeah. all day long and you know We marked one boys. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean it's like it's not that's what I tell people like if you're getting new into fishing ice fishing don't go lake trout fishing no nope. <laughs> at least here no. you know I'm yeah. like yeah it's like yeah you, you talk about oh we marked a couple of yeah. them today <laughs> we saw this line flash on our fish yeah. finder for about three seconds but yeah it's great when you can catch some fish but man it's doesn't always work that way you know no yeah, I got to get a. I got to get all my uh, gear out. I haven't got any of my fishing stuff ready. Did you sell your uh, jiffy auger? Your yeah, one handle jiffy yep, auger. I did. Nice. Yep. I kind of hated to, but I've got three of those things, so yeah, it's like yeah, a, I don't, I don't really, lot. I don't really need. I still that got one. my Eskimo. I got. A, I haven't fired it up yet this year, but I haven't needed ten inch hole yet this year either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I don't even switch mine anymore. I just leave the ten inch on and just yeah. even if I well, go to the I bet, little stock I switched pond, to use. I sw- switched to using the drill, drill. Auger for for this the you know, stalker pond. Well, a well my youngest one is big enough now that he's not going to fold but when he's like a little toddler yeah they can you know it's like yeah step 10 into inch the hole, hole he yeah. can get pretty wet but with a six inch just drill auger man just yeah it's so fast no gas just no screw around for these stalker lakes yeah you know so i i just been using that and i just use yeah use the big auger for big personal fish. fishing big fish yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know. I did, I have done some work to my snow machine. I built a new hitch for my tow sled. Um, I had to re-rivet a couple things on that thing too. Skag was getting ripped off the bottom. Oh yeah, the typical things that Which, I'm like. I need to, do I, you build? Yeah, because you built your own tow sled. Yeah. What do you think of them new? Uh, the new Alaska the the gear the new bunny boots. bunny boots. I I saw that and I was just like, it, my opinion is. That place has become pretty overpriced on a lot of stuff. Well, I, yeah, I bought a three hundred dollar like little tow Northern Sledworks sled. It's, I don't know. I mean, I for dragging bears out. Actually, for Christmas, I my brother got me one of them. It's just one of those deer sleds. Those roll up. It's like a UHMW okay, yeah. sled. They're, they they roll probably up. Probably work fine. Yeah. Well, we've used it. He's had one for a while. He used to use it when he's airplane trapping for dragging wolves. Yeah. Because that's, you want to talk about like an awkward pain in the ass thing. You get a wolf that's snared in a weird, well, either one that's warm yeah. as a footholder snared in a weird position. Yeah, and it's froze all weird or something. Yeah. But no, he's, he got me one of those for Christmas. You know, he's like, you can use it for bear hunting or whatever you want, you know. And um, I will say dragon bears, I've always used just taking my, like a kid's sled. Yeah, well, that's and, what and, and it and that works, you know, too. The but, the orange ones at Century Hardware downstairs, yeah. like those, I used those for years. But I would break, I'd break. They, they wouldn't even usually last a year, and I'd break them. I started using them. They're a little more durable. I don't know what they are. They're, I call it a little ice fishing sled. You know, like jet sled. It's like a jet sled, but a, but it's bigger. Huh. You know, they make them small jet sleds. I don't know. This thing's probably four foot long. Hmm. The one that I'm using, but that one is held up. <laughs> for bears but it doesn't roll up it's not compact you know anything like that yeah so well this 
Northern Sled Works one. It's just like a mini Siglin sled, but for it has a pull rope on it. Yeah. Um, I guess for like granola crunchers. Yeah, for cross country skiers. Yeah, like a polk. It's a yeah. polk, basically. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I was like, you know what? It fit in there a black bear. <laughs> and they were. It works freaking nice, man. That UHMW, like you can. I mean, the sides are kind of laid out now, but like you're not gonna break. You're not gonna crack that thing. And so we, yeah, we get like a whole black bear in there, and you just get them on their back, and a couple blue bungees, and yeah, like taco them, thing in there, tie them in there, and just whoosh, dra- drag it right out, no problem. But uh, yeah, so the bunny boots, I don't know what to think. I guess we'll see. TBD. I was, I was going to say you're going to be a tester. <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah, they're like their post about. I'm kind of turned off. Initially, I, I saw the first post, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll share that whatever on my, like, Instagram story. And then it's like, you know, oh, you can you can, you can, can slobber on our knob for a chance to be a gear tester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I thought this, dude, it's funny you say that, because I'm thinking about the same thing. I'm like. Like, apply, applications here, it's like, fuck you guys, you know. Like, yeah. all right, you want to send me a pair of boots to test, I'll test them. Yeah. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get down on on both my knees for to test a pair of these new bunny boots. Yeah. Who knows? Like, that'd be cool if they're freaking. Well, awesome. I will say awesome. if they if they were good. I mean, I like I said. I hope whatever the best, the best for them. But to me, I'm like, what's wrong with a regular bunny boot? That's yeah. also the way the I look I've at it. Ones I've had for ten years that yeah. are still <laughs> exactly. And, I don't. I don't and, know and, if I don't even know if they're even like. Are they getting that? like hard to find new ones i don't don't think it's great it's not like i don't think it's gotten to the point where it's hard to find them but the prices on them are all over the map i've seen them really high priced then i've seen some that are or what i would consider reasonable or well look like the the south the place that was like it's like gi joe's army surplus they they were like selling them outside i don't know if they're going out of business whatever but that used because that used to be like rocket surplus back in the day it was always a surplus store. Yeah, but they there was always like a surplus store or two in town that you could buy them at. But yeah, and at, like I sizing's said, sizing's hit or miss. And and also, there's different brands and models of those things. Like everybody wants the beta versions. You know, are those, those the black ones? Well, they made them in black and white. Oh, huh. and I, I don't know. I just got. I don't really know the differences between them, but I mean, I was buying. I used to buy the kids the. I don't know. I called them the cheap versions. You know, you go down there for 50 bucks and get a pair. But I figured, well, the kids are going to outgrow them. Yeah. So I was like, why do I want to buy a two or $300 pair of boots that they're going to outgrow in a year? You know? But I do think you could find betas for cheaper than that. I mean, you go to the yard sales and you look around, and this stuff is still around. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially unless you're using them really, really hard, they just... They seem to last really well. My my thought on that boot and looking at it, just from what I saw in that video, it doesn't look like it seals up at the top. From, like you get that around your ankle when you put the yeah. Like, like to me, isn't that the it's a it's a it's a vapor boot. It kind of has to be sealed, like around the top. You you know you tie it. Not I won't say it has to be sealed fully. To to retain heat but it, to me those boots look like they were a slip on like you slip them on and then they had um, laces but they never but they tied like more like a sorel or something you know yeah. 
my I don't know, like my boots, I pretty much just pop them on, but they do have like a. Like, yeah, well, they're kind of like an ankle fit water yeah. boot. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I always tie, I tie mine tight at the top. Yeah. You know, like. Do you blow your bladders up? I never have. people doing that. I maybe. never have. I I just always make sure that things turn closed, closed yeah. and that's how I've always used them. But I mean, I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. But I I can tell you right now. I mean, I don't know. There'll be pe- plenty of people. I, they get five six hundred dollars for them things. Freaking people will buy them. That seems unfortunately, crazy. which I think is crazy. But well, I mean, look at the people buying thousand dollar Sitka ring gear that doesn't work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want me to be blunt about yeah. it, I mean, think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not not I'm not knocking on Sitka. I'm just saying that I watched a very interesting thing, not to draw this out, but No, it's all right. Uh I watched a very interesting video on Gore-Tex that I did, and I learned some stuff on there I didn't know about Gore-Tex and how it actually works. And my thought on it is after watching that, I'm like it's no wonder it doesn't work. In a rain, you know what I'm saying. The way yeah. it's the way it's designed to breathe, it has to be dry to breathe. So if it's wet, yeah. the it can't breathe. Well, and it works so, on the temperature differential, from what I understand. Like, well, yeah, I've that, had them even say like the waders, if the water's too warm, it like can leak. It can leak, yeah. And I mean, I've got Gore-Tex waders. I've got a pair of Sims Gore-Tex waders, and. There's been some times that I'm like, I can't tell if they actually leak or I'm sweating in them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm not saying that it's a bad fabric. I just think that it, I learned that a long time ago. The first Gore-Tex thing I ever bought from Cabela's, you know, some camo pants and a jacket that was Gore-Tex. I heard all this about Gore-Tex. And the freaking first time I wore it, I was wet. And I'm like... How is this supposed to work? I should have listened to my uncle because year, <laughs> however many years he's for years he tell this story. Oh, one time I was sheep hunting the last range and I had this Gore-Tex. It was supposed to be <laughs> badass, you know. And I got. <laughs> he's like, it rained so much that I water running through my tent. I had to walk fourteen miles out of there, and I about died and blah blah blah. And you know, yeah, I should have listened. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, but, I think it has its place. It's not like it's a, it's a useless thing. What's this? That's a pop tart holder. If it, they actually put it into produ- regular production, Sitka would have redeemed themselves probably. But was it a prototype? It's a prototype, I think. I think they made some prototypes, and it was a big hit in the Midwest. Got that in Kansas. Huh. It's like a hot Midwestern hot dogger. But they didn't. Never, they never produced them. I don't think so. Interesting. They say it'll hold two pop tarts or six it, slim jims. <laughs> well, it looks like it'll hold some pop tarts. It will hold some pop tarts and keep them from breaking up. Huh? That's pretty cool. <laughs> is this a new camel pattern? No, it was just one of their. Is this a waterfowler thing? I guess. Oh, okay. They carry pop tarts. You can probably put cigars in that thing too. <laughs> I don't know about these. If these ones will fit, I got a few Rim- no, maybe Remington not. cigars. Not quite. Not quite. Some Swishers. Yeah, little, them little Swishers. I don't need to smoke that many cigars. Yeah. 
<laughs> one's I, usually I don't okay. at all, but I've, I mean, I've seen them. I'm just thinking outside the box, I guess. Huh, that's interesting. I don't know. I just, like I said, what's we- odd to me, though, and, like, I wear boots that have Gore-Tex. Almost every boot that I buy yeah. has Gore-Tex, and I've had good success with that. Like, as far as not getting super wet or anything, or wet at all, really. But it's also inside of a leather shell. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. Not to... Not well, to and it only in. lasts so long. Well, that's true, too. You know, before it... Before <coughs> it seems like after a season or so, like, yeah, you know, if you get it really wet, it just goes right through. Well, and in this video they talked about, too, I didn't realize the original Gore-Tex, they don't, it's not even the same anymore. It's still branded as Gore-Tex. Yeah. But it's not the same... Uh, Where's the, what video? Where's you just Google it? Yeah, it was on YouTube. I don't know. It just popped up, and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting. I should watch Down this." The YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, and I mean, how accurate all some of it is. This guy seemed pretty like it was pretty scientific. It seemed like well, to after me. my whole after my whole deal, <coughs> there was a guy who emailed me that like wasn't even a hunter was like more backpacking thing, and his like his son was an engineer and had looked into researched all the like the prefer- pressure differentials and yeah. stuff like that. And they calculated like the wind speed it would take water to drive through. And it wasn't that much. Yeah. Well, that's, and this guy did a similar, he did some testing or had some similar uh, tests, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It To me, it didn't look as impressive as, I hate to say gimmicky, but I think you're paying a lot for the name. Yeah. I mean, that I goes mean, for you, a lot of stuff are, probably. Yeah, you are. I mean, and I think, too, technology, there's other, from this guy's test that he had done, he didn't name particular uh, companies, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even necessarily, this wasn't hunting either, he was just talking about Gore-Tex fabric yeah. itself, yeah. but some but of these other- George Costanza, it's Gore-Tex! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, because I was talking to a guy at work about it, he brought the same thing up. <laughs> Um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, was, yeah. Which, yeah, I had, I could not jump in there on the <laughs> on the meat eater episode when they're talking about the conversion rate of yen to the dollar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly everyone's just looking at me with blank stares. I'm like, come on. <laughs> okay. You guys must not have watched Seinfeld. <laughs> huh. But yeah, that that video was kind of interesting. I, like I said, I learned a little bit that I didn't know. I mean, I knew some of that just from, I guess, using stuff. Yeah. But well, some of the stuff that you've experienced kind of starts to make sense. Maybe yeah. when you you start seeing the actual actual scientific Proof. application, yeah. yeah, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, definitely, it was kind of something different. Well, anyway, you and I could probably talk till midnight, but yeah. we probably better get rolling. Your your wife was giving you hand signals in there <laughs> a while back. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, man, thanks for coming over. It's good. Yeah, to, no problem. It was fun. Happy New Year's, everybody. Good breeze. Yeah, yeah. Almost, I don't know when you'll put this out. New but Year's probably close. Oh, maybe tomorrow or something. Yeah, not probably early next week or something. Whenever I, <laughs> whenever I can. Yeah, we're not on a. I'm not a big enough deal to be on a on a hard schedule. So yeah, hopefully everyone has a, has a happy new year's and, uh, 
grind right right back into a new one. Yeah. Exciting times. <laughs> We're so lame. <laughs> All right. If you enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you uh, leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And if um, hopefully we built bunny boot hoodies up enough to make them seem cool. Well, you have to, you have to come still, out with a new one. If they come out with this new bunny boot, you're going to have to have a, the gonna, new version. Maybe you could be, maybe you could partner up and yeah, <laughs> TBD. <laughs> we'll see how much. Anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, if you if you want, uh, you know, periodically we'll have still got a few hats and some some can coolers and bunny boot hoodies at tundertalkak.com. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks. <laughs>